After two weeks of being out adventuring, we are now back in the Spooky Studio, just in time for Halloween. And we'll be talking with Amy Bruni and Adam Berry of the new show Kindred Spirits. You've been watching it on TLC. We're going to find out some behind-the-scenes info about the show tonight here on episode 476 of Spooky South Coast. And it starts right now. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa and Stephanie Burke. And I'm going to put this back in program and take it out of audition, right? Boom. That's how we wanted to do it. Should work fine. Bring up you guys' microphones like I actually know what I'm doing. And there we go. Awesome. What's up? What's happening? What's going on? Matt, it's been a while since we've seen you. Not since Ford Adams, I think. I know. It's been a couple weeks. Which uh, we will get into coming up in in just a bit. We will, uh, a little bit later on tonight, we'll share what we've been up to with our adventures. We've had a lot of them. We have. Although I think we could probably, we have a few minutes before Amy and Adam are going to join us. We do. So why don't we start off chronologically and we'll let the folks know what happened at Ford Adams because that was a, a station event. That was it something was. we were promoting here through the radio station, Face Your Fears Night. And uh, And by the way, I'll just throw it out there. If anybody wants to join us next Saturday night for our Bridgewater Triangle event, as we go inside the Bridgewater Triangle for the first time ever with four unique locations. I'm so have, excited. It's it's going to be really cool, especially, you know, being history nerds, getting into this right. case and being able to actually follow one family uh, essentially from these locations. Uh, there's there's a connection to the to the Keith family at every one of these spots. So uh, you'll get to investigate the Reverend James Keith House, built in 1662, the uh, Old Bridgewater Historical Society Memorial Building, which was built in 1900, and actually has some artifacts from the time of the Keith family, and like Reverend Keith's glasses are actually in one of the glass cases, which is pretty cool. Yes. Uh, then we'll be at the Old Cemetery, which is where the Keith family is interred, and also War Memorial Park, which contains Pulpit Rock, where... Reverend James Keith gave his sermons when he first came to Bridgewater. So all of this is kind of all connected. And uh, and the hauntings have been reported over the years, but they haven't really been investigated very much. Dart did, a, did an investigation of the Keith House, and a few other investigators have been to the Keith House, but generally we're going into kind of uncharted territory. And we just found out that um, there's only there's less than 20 tickets left. So if you want to get on board with this, I would definitely do it now. I wouldn't wait around. Just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, and you can find your link there to purchase the tickets. Uh, because this is you know, something that the Old Bridgewater Historical Society, they're doing this for the first time. And uh, we want to make it a big success for them. So hopefully everybody can come on out and take part in that. And uh, um, is it going too loud? Because the guest headphones are jacked up way over here. I can adjust um, that. I It sounds fine now. You want it down? Okay, so I'm it was put a little it, crackly. Oh, now I put can't it right it. there, and then you guys can adjust from there. Awesome, yeah. thank you. That'll sound better. That's uh, money, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> that's money, that's baby. Money. So money. Uh, so anyway, so that's we'll be doing that next Saturday night. So we won't be here doing the show, although we are just broadcasting live on YouTube. So it's not like the WBSM audience can hear us. Uh, but we will be uh, at that event next week. Uh, going back to Fort Adams a couple of weeks ago, Face Your Fears Night. It was the first time I'd ever been there. What a what a place. I it just, was phenomenal. It was I don't even cool know what else to there. say about it. Walking in there, 
was, I mean, it was beautiful with the sunset when we first arrived, but it is such a cool place. I wasn't expecting that. I've always just been on it, the outside. It was so dramatic, wasn't it? Going it up was that very driveway dramatic. and the sun was like, just it, yeah. like peeking right over the, uh, the it was the terrifying fort. too. Cause I wasn't sure if my right. car was going to fit up that driveway. I, I managed to get a little bit of video and put it up on um, Did you? our Instagram. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a tight squeeze. <laughs> it was. <laughs> But it was I had, awesome. I, I had faith in your driving, though. I appreciate it. I told you so. you would make it. I know, but it's scary looking. When uh, I know they're, they're saying there's some sound issues in the uh, chat room, Matt, but... Um, I, I I think hopefully we just rectified them. And they said it's very low. Turn up your computer. Wait, wait. Her sound's low. Turn up your computer! There, oh, my goodness. <laughs> we, we can all just do the show like that if it helps. Um. But I knew you would make it through there, no problem. It was it was pretty cool to like have that VIP experience of being able to actually drive into the fort. When you were like, oh, no, I'll just park outside. I'm like, no, drive into the fort. It's really cool. You get to actually drive into the fort. But I had no fort. idea what it was actually like in there. I've never been. So when Matt and I are driving through, we were both just like jaw dropped. We didn't know what to say or feel. We just, it was phenomenal. The, um, the investigation itself was, it was kind of weird. Uh, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on, but there were a few spots that had some pretty interesting activity. And I posted up a video. Uh, it's on, on YouTube. Uh, I think I put it up on the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel where you can see, and Matt made some great videos throughout the course of the night. Uh, so you can certainly check those out and get a feel for just what the whole night was about. I love that video you made in the Whispering Tunnels too, by the way. I oh, yeah. a chance to tell you. Yeah, that was a really uh, unique experience going through there. Just being able to be in that spot, which they normally don't take you on on a lot of the tours. So oh, I did find I found uh, some videos online of people going in there. However, it uh, it it did say that um, they had to jump over a fence or two. Oh, really? There, so. I hate that. Yeah. Well, the uh, the guide Mike actually took us in, so we were in there mm-hmm. with permission. Right. Uh, Which was a, he was an awesome guy. He really was. And I loved his outfit. Next time we go, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that investigating those tunnels is part of the deal. Yeah, definitely. Because there's got to be a lot of activity going on in there. Uh, but uh, we got to go into there. And then there was that one area that they normally don't bring people in onto the tours, but that ghost hunters had access to when they went. That little area off into the corner between the, uh, was it the east and north walls? Yep. Uh, that Yes. That little tunnel area, we had that strange EMF activity. Yes. That just kept spiking out every meter right in that one little spot. So I'm interested in following up on that and, and seeing it. And I spoke with people at the fort, and they said if I want to go back, even like during the day when they're conducting tours, if I just want to go back and go in there and try and figure out what it is, you know, they're they're interested in knowing what it is too. So maybe we'll have the opportunity to I would love to do that to figure it out a little bit more. Maybe bring a geologist, somebody who would have a, a better idea of what could be going on there, right? Because it it was peaking every thing we had the mel meter when when that lady told me that the mel meter was going off and it was reading a nine point six, I was like, something's wrong, right? Because it wouldn't normally read that. Maybe the sensor's in wrong or, you know, maybe they're putting a cell phone close to it or something. I don't know. But then all the K2s were completely spiking. And for anyone that doesn't know us, I'd say we're healthy skeptics. Right. There's, there's nothing that really spooks us, scares us. You know, anytime, I mean, even when that loud noise happened at Fort Tabor that time, your first thought was, what was it? Like, physically, what was it? Well, first it, it was, was, I think we're going to die. Yes. But then after yes. that, I wanted to figure out what um, it was. It's never jumped to a conclusion. It's always, let's, let's, I hate to use the word debunk because everybody says that. Right. But, but look around but, yeah. and figure out what it is. Let's find out what it happened, like, you know, what happened. And we ran a series of tests, I guess, for lack of a better word, to see what the EMF readings were coming from. 
I'd be so interested to see if we go back there and nothing happens. Because then we know for sure it's not consistent. Yeah, I would figure it was just something that was going on. Right. With, uh, but it was, you know, it was different people all the time holding the meters and. Right, we switched But it was everything. all in that same spot. Right. And, and then, you know, we're feeling, we're feeling that something's in that tunnel looking at us and myself and another investigator stepped into that tunnel and we could feel ourselves being touched and all that. And when we went back into the room and we were kind of clearing things up, cleaning things up, we were talking about, you know, that we had an experience and we, we pointed out the fact that we might not have experienced anything at all there except high EMF. Right. That it could have been that that was making us feel that we were being watched by something and, mm-hmm. and that we were being touched by something. But either way, like we got to try to figure out and get to the bottom of that. But they want us to come back. They want us to do another event. I uh, can't wait. I think the station wants to put on something else because, right. you know, that one came together very quickly and we didn't mm-hmm. really have a chance to promote it. So I don't see why we couldn't go back in the spring and, and do something else. And I look forward to it. Expand it a little bit more because it's a, it's a great spot if you've never been. And uh, coming up a little bit later on, after we talk with Amy and Adam about the new show Kindred Spirits, we'll share with you about what happened last weekend at the S.K. Pierce Mansion out in right. Gardner. Because that, I'm still scratching my head over some of the stuff that went on. And we're still getting stuff rolling in from the investigators that they caught during the investigation. So we had some strange images on the SLS camera that we'll say go with the story that uh, the legend of one of the rooms. Yes. We had a, and I also had an experience that felt the closest I've ever felt to actually being like in a horror movie. I would agree with that. So I'm going to. How about when I was telling my story? Oh, yeah. In the dining room. That was weird. There was all kinds of strange things that happened that night. And I actually said to you when we left, like, it might not be a good idea to do events there anymore. Um, <laughs> because it seems yeah. like it's it's that dangerous. It definitely is. And I feel like when I, I give that warning or you give that warning, I almost feel like people don't take us seriously because... I know when you give me the warning, I don't I don't take it seriously. Well, look at, look at what happened. I know. I know. I should listen to you more, but... I'm just like, whatever. But you know what? You're going to do it again. Of course I am. It's it's Because now you have the mentality of, my friend will fix it. It's part of my DNA. Well, I was telling people, I was like, as we were driving home, uh, I kept turning off the high beams. And, you know, because if there was a car in front of me, I would turn off the high beams because I didn't want to be rude. And Stephanie actually said, leave your high beams on. And I was like, no, I don't want to. And she's like, no, tr- trust me, just leave the high beams on. I was like, okay, when the psychic tells you to leave your high beams on, you just leave the high beams well, at on. Least, <laughs> at least you listen to me. My husband doesn't. Plus, it was easier than actually uh, plucking them on and off all the time. And then, of course, what happens to me two days later while driving home what? with my high beams off? You didn't tell me. I told you. I told you right after it happened. Oh, no. Oh. I ran over a raccoon. You did. So Sorry. maybe that's what you were sensing, and it was just a couple of days early. I don't know. Everybody was hitting everything. My husband clobbered a deer, and right, I just found was- that out. Well, it's with, that time with of the year, car too. Or just his bare hands. <laughs> it could have gone either with the way. Car. He told me the nice version of the story, and he told my friends last night the real version of the story, and I was horrified. <laughs> really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he hit it head on, and he told yeah. me he just clipped it. I don't know. I, I remember uh, when Matt Moniz is not here to, to uh, testify, but uh, that time that he hit a deer. That was crazy. Was, it was unbelievable. That was crazy. There was like the whole front miles. of his car for miles. Yeah, uh, the, like the uh, the radiator of his car was like up against the windshield. Oh my god! And so that makes sense, right? Like that horrible of a story. He t- 
told the real story last night. He absolutely hit this deer head on. It had no chance. It rolled over his hood. Not one speck of damage to his car. Yeah, that's weird. Not one. You figure at least like hitting in the windshield that hard, it would have cracked the windshield. Nope. But as I told her, you know, trying to look on the bright side, free venison all winter. Oh, God. No. I'm sure Brendan just took it home and was like, skin, skin. No, we called our friends to see if they wanted it. Yeah, there you go. And they said no. There you go. And uh, now, uh, after discussing what happened with uh, killing a deer on the highway and running over a raccoon, let's welcome the vegan to the show. (laughs) Uh, First, joining us on the line, we have, well, we have both of the stars of the new show, Kindred Spirits, uh, on TLC. And Matt, I want to take this out of program and put it on audition, right? Make sure I do it right so we don't have them talking over college football. I'm good. All right, so let's bring on first Amy Bruni. Good evening, Amy. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Sorry you came in right in the middle of the dead deer story. (laughs) <laughs> the what story? It's okay if you missed it. Yeah, no, we, I, I missed it. We okay, won't re, we won't rehash it for you. Mm, venison hash. Stop mm, it! <laughs> I hate meat too. So <laughs> yeah, but it. you just don't like meat because you're weird. Amy, at least, you? Amy at least has a commitment to it. So well, <laughs> listen, I ate steak tonight and I'm not happy about it. So all right, well we'll we'll say a prayer for that. And uh, also joining us on the line, we have uh, for his first appearance ever on the show, Adam Berry joining us. Good evening, Adam. Oh, and I just hung up on Amy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Hey. It's all right. She's used to it. She's done the show before. She knows I hang up on everybody <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> well, you've got me all to yourself now. Right. Now we can get you to give us all the dirt, all the secrets about her before she tunes in and hears. There are no secrets. There are no secrets. Well, and I think that it's, it's you know, something that uh, people have become, you know, tuned into the dynamic that you guys have. It's not just a matter of... The fact that it works on TV, like you guys just have that great dynamic in real life. I mean, I think we will get along. I mean, we're friends in real life. We see each other's families in real life. We go on vacations, you know, willingly with each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, I think our dynamic actually, I I think it shows uh, only because uh, we are who we are. And in real life, that's who we are. And I, you know... Um, I know you guys know us, and so you guys see how we interact with each other normally. So I feel like, you know, it, there's nothing to hide or nothing to put on because that's just who we are. And, and Amy, we've talked about this before, and I've heard you talk about it to, to people and, and heard you talk about it in interviews, that if you were any different as investigators, if you were any different as paranormal, you know, quote-unquote celebrities, if you were any different as people on television – you know, it's great. I know that, you know, you guys have a uh, background in acting and everything, but people would see through it. People would see through it when you're trying to help them with something like this if they felt you were being phony. And you have always been a very staunch supporter of being as genuine as you can. Yeah, I mean, well, Adam's the one with the background in acting. I'm well, terrible you've, you've, at it. You've had a few roles, though. You've had a few roles. Uh, and I think really. the acting helps me just so I, I, I'm I did, not like, like staring at the college camera movie, blank uh, face. What? I said I think the acting helps. That my acting degree that I have helps me not be like a deer in headlights and the lights come on. You just like stare. Yeah. <laughs> just stare yeah. blankly at the. Um, but even so, it's but people would see through it, and especially not just the viewers, but these families that were helping. Right. Like the, it, we come into their homes and. If we were fake, you know, or if it was scripted or whatever, they wouldn't want to air their, like, crazy 
stories out on TV <laughs> the way they do. You know, they're very desperate by the time we get to them. So I think it would be just kind of a slap in the face to what their uh, predicament is. And, and, and fair, like what I'm saying, you know, being phony and, and being fa- I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, faking things that are going on or anything. I'm talking about coming in and trying to act like, you know, you're, you're, you know, just trying to come in and act like uh, an unaffected, uh, you know, paranormal exterminator, somebody who's coming in and not going to let the emotion get to them and trying to stay detached and trying to stay extremely objective. And obviously you want to be objective when you're investigating, but you come in and you can feel the heart and you can feel the connection that you're making with these people right away. And that's something that goes into all the investigations that you do, not even the ones that are in front of cameras. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just, we take it very seriously. And yeah, we do. We try to we come in, but probably sometimes a little too much. We get really emotionally involved, especially with these families. You know, at the end of it, we cry. We have to when you know, when we leave, we're like, "Wow, we're going to miss them." <laughs> you know, it's um, it's a lot. Also, I will add that you know, if if they hired actors to do what we do, some of like the crap that we've seen, like um, you know, from either homeowners or like actual paranormal stuff. Would scare the bejesus out of people, and I don't right. think they could True. really. I don't think they could hold a straight face. They'd, I think they'd be like, "Actually, this is not okay. This is not okay, and we're get, we need to go." But I mean, we've seen some of the shows though where they try and bring together. Uh, people who don't know each other, you know, people who have a background in the paranormal but haven't worked together, and they bring mm-hmm. them together. And if they're not, you know, sometimes they bring them together and they say, like, these are people that didn't really know each other, and we brought them together to to come and investigate this. But sometimes they try to fake it into making people think they've been working together for a while, and you can tell when that chemistry isn't there. And I think that that actually can handicap handicap the investigation a bit. I think you guys having the chemistry that you have and the connection that you have. Uh, shows that whatever it is that you're trying to reach out to, both living and dead, that, you know, you're a welcoming presence in there and you're, you know, you have a, a, a friendship and you have a bond that other people want to involve themselves with. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I agree. I mean, it's, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's just that way with any paranormal team. You know, that's the problem with a lot of the paranormal TV shows is they do slap together these teams that have never really worked together before. And it shows, like you said, but, you know, off camera, most paranormal teams, they have known each other for a long time and they are friends. They do have that rapport. And, you know, so I feel like that it's important that that be reflected in a paranormal reality television show, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also, I also think the biggest difference in, in what we do, I guess, I mean, if you, <clears throat> if you were to come watch us, I mean, obviously, uh, we, we're being filmed, but there comes a point when we forget that the cameras are there, because we act, I mean, like, and I say act, but not act, acting, but we, like, the way that we talk to these families and the way that we do things, like, we forget that the cameras are there, and it, it becomes not about us, because it isn't about us. It's about these families, and it's about the situation, and it's how can we alleviate their problem, and how can we help them and I think if we were acting or if you hired actors to do this, it would be about them. And what what can we do? It would be about the actors themselves. Like, they would be thinking, well, what can I do to make this moment amazing? And what can I do to help this whatever, X, Y, and Z, which is not our intention at all. Right. And, and I think it's very clear. And that's a, that's a great point, Adam, because I think that this show wouldn't work if it was... Uh, you know, a couple of investigators who even if they had the same type of bomb that you had, it wouldn't work if they didn't already have the experience of having 
done this in front of cameras and having gone and been through the process of television production and are able to kind of block that out and get into this. If this was somebody's first time experience uh, with dealing with television filming, they'd probably be too overwhelmed and too self-absorbed and concerned with that, uh, even subconsciously, to be able to dedicate themselves fully uh, to the cases at hand. And, and I think that that's something that uh, you know comes through with this is just that the the fact that it doesn't really fluster you guys at all to know that that's happening around you, but also the fact that you are not afraid to go into these places and put yourself out there for the homeowners. I could never do what you guys are doing because I am. I just feel like I'm too guarded around people, and I feel like I'm going to let them down when it comes to an investigation. So I just know if I go there and I, and and something happens, I'll be like, okay, thanks, good night, see you later, and yeah. you know, and I just don't seem to have the uh, the same. Um, you know, the humanity that you guys have. I'm just a terrible person. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. I beg to differ. It, it, there's a lot of pressure there, though, and and we feel it. Like, we definitely feel it. And sometimes we're like, what are we doing? You know, especially if we're there, you know, the third or fourth day, and we still feel like we're no closer to a solution, you know, we start feeling like, oh, my gosh, are we going to let these people down? Like, what what's happening here? And there is... It was hard. I mean, I will say, we I don't think we even anticipated that part of it. We just kind of assumed it would all come together some way, and and then sometimes it didn't seem like it was. I mean, it always does. It's weird how it always does, but in the meantime, we're like sweating bullets, thinking, oh, gosh, we're, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do? Is there was there any moments though, and, and obviously you know we're only two episodes into what the viewers have seen, uh, but were there any moments that you went into one of these cases and, and thought to yourself, you know, just taking a look at the family, like they need help in this manner, but they also need you know more help than what we might be ready to give them. We can help them with the paranormal stuff, but the heavy toll that this takes on people, it sometimes weighs on them more than just, you know, having you be able to go in and explain what's going on. They need to figure out how to process that and how to deal with that. Did were there any cases that you walked away from that you were kind of concerned about how it would impact these people after you had left? Uh not not really because I mean, well, maybe one, but it, it really seemed like they all had been through so much by the time we got there mm-hmm. that anything we could say or any answers we could give them did nothing but kind of help their situation, you know, and help them kind of get a grasp on things. I mean, there were definitely uh, a couple families I could think of that I felt needed help in other aspects besides just with their paranormal issues. Um, you know, that they had other things going on in their households that I felt like they needed some help with, but that was not what we were there for. <laughs> so we couldn't really say anything, but, um, but yeah, that's a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I saw you mention on, on Twitter today, Amy, that, you know, one of the things about last night's investigation and, and the family with that is that they had cats and that they put the cats in a room and you put a camera in the room with the cats. I mean, that alone is enough to make me be nervous about going into people's houses because, you know, you go in there, you start conducting an investigation, and all of a sudden you hear this noise, and that's, oh, that's just our, you know, pet Vietnamese pig. You never know what you're walking into in some of these places. <laughs> well, we knew ahead of time they had animals, and so we oh, uh, God. we thought about, you know, the dogs weren't in the house. Um, they had chickens. Those were, like, way out in the backyard. I'm, like, already day. allergic thinking about it again. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then the cats. And, the, and because we're there, you know, four or five days, it wasn't a possibility to board the cats. So 
we were like, you know, we talked about it a lot before we went because we don't really like to have animals in the house and we're investigating. Sure. But we were like, you know, we will put them in a room that is, you know, there's no activity reported in that room and we'll put a DVR camera in there. And, you know, we'll just, anytime we hear a noise, the first thing we'll do is look at that camera and see what the cats were doing, which they pretty much slept through everything. Right. So, you know, so we in um in the beginning, no, no spoilers, I, I should say, spoiler <laughs> alert, if you haven't watched the episode. And if you haven't watched the episode, who are you? Um, right, exactly. Who are you? What are you? I mean, but I'll say, like, you know, at the beginning of that episode, there's something that's going on between Emmy and myself, and we're kind of in different parts of the house, and you hear a loud thud at the end of the house. Well, if you notice, I'm carrying around our DVR monitor in my hand. So I'm... So I know where the cats are, and I know what they're doing, and it's, people are going to be like, oh, then it's the cats. It's not the cats, because I can see the cats. <laughs> I can see the cats. One of them sleeping on its cat side, and the other one's just, like, staring at the wall. Like, I mean, <laughs> I see what they're doing. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of cover our bases that way, because clearly we want the answers. And, you know, we're going to take every measure to make sure that we're, you know, correct. And also, you want to make sure that cat isn't all rubbing up on your stuff while you're not in there, I, and and leaving yeah. dander behind and all that oh stuff. Goodness. It's funny because the um, we when we were talking about the case, you know, they it, we find out everything about the family, we find a lot of information, and they're like, and they have like. I don't know, 500 cats, whatever it was. It was more than 500 cats. It, it was, was like, a lot like of cats. two or three, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was not it a was, lot of cats. But they were like, they have cats, and I'm like, well, do they roam around the house? And I think Amy even brought it up. It's like, hey, are they like roaming? And so they had they they actually we actually hired a cleaning crew to come in, a maid service to come in and clean the house from top to bottom before we got in there. Because I was like, that's all that I ask. I just don't want to be sneezing my face off for five days or high on Benadryl because then I won't see anything. I'll just be asleep in the corner the whole time. Right. That would, that would make for some terrible audio review if every every 30 seconds there's a sneeze in it. Makes it very there hard to do. There was an episode on another show that we were on, um, I'm, I, you know, because we did another show for a while. And we were on there. <laughs> it's like I heard of it. There, yeah, I've heard of it, too. It's, it ran for a really long time. Um, we, were on, <laughs> we were on that show, and there was a case... Um, where we were trying to find the ghost of possibly a, like, a slave girl. And I remember sneezing the entire time, like, literally the entire time, and watching the episode. I, I believe one of us said, like, I can't believe they actually got, like, clean footage out of that, because I, I would not <laughs> stop sneezing, because they had not cl- I mean, the house was kind of dirty, and... um you know, and I, I suffered, but I suffer for the greater good. Let's just put it that way. We suffer for the greater good. Well, and and that's again why I appreciate the fact that you can go into people's homes and and be able to help them out. It's something that I think drew in a lot of people to to the other show, to Ghost Hunters, when it first started. And I know the reasons why you get away from that with television because it's it's a lot easier to work with public places and or to work with you know places that are owned uh, that are a business or what have you it's a lot easier than going into somebody's home and invading their life and also trying to figure out is something going on or does somebody just want to be on tv now that you're in you know season five six seven and people know the show uh amy i know when you were trying to gather up all of these cases that must have been part of the process to figure out how many people really needed help and how many people just recognized you from tv and wanted you to come over it was. It was. Um, it was. You know. It, our biggest issue was. You know. The we wanted people who felt they were being haunted by a loved one because there was a 
there's a, a personal aspect to that that you know we found really interesting and then whenever we had seen cases like that in the past they were very emotional and those people were the most affected and so when i when we put out the call for these cases we were getting a lot of people that were like oh yeah you know grandpa joe hangs out we're pretty sure but he's a good spirit but yeah come on over and investigate like they they obviously weren't like traumatized or terrified or freaked out or, or confused um and so we got tons and tons of cases like that and we had to kind of vet through them and figure out, you know, who genuinely needed our help and who was, you know, overstating their <laughs> their situation. Um, and, and we could kind of always tell the ones who really needed it because they were on the fence about us coming in. Like, they weren't like, yeah, come on over. It was a lot of, you know, back and forth. And, you know, there's one case where, you know, I had to call the person a few times to kind of make her feel better about us being there because she kept kind of getting cold feet and, you know, wasn't sure if she wanted us to come. So those are the ones where you're like, okay, something's really going on here because you're not, you don't really, the TV aspect makes you more nervous than like us coming in, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Adam, that's another thing that, you know, we see in the first couple of episodes when you're out researching and, and trying to look and see uh, what, you know, connections there might be to each to each home and to each family. You know, sometimes you're going to be going in and telling these families, I know that you think it's your relative, but we found this, and, and this is what we've discovered through our investigation and through our research. And then you might be pivoting them in a different direction that they weren't expecting for it to go. Yeah, I'm, we cannot plan the outcome of these cases. Uh, if you saw Friday Night's case, it, I, I mean, I I got chills watching it because... You know, when we discover that there's this murder, this unsolved murder that happened almost 130 years to the date, I, it, it, you can't plan it. You cannot plan it. And so we like to ask the families all the time, who do you think it is, A, because we want to get an idea of, you know, their mindset already. But we also say, well, what happens if we don't discover that it is your grandmother or your mother? And we, you know, they're very straightforward. They're like, okay, some of them say, well, I'll be fine with it. I just want to know why they're here. I mean, I don't think any, I don't know if anyone, I can't remember if anyone said they'd be disappointed, but we're very clear about what's going to be happening. And, you know, we say, this is what's happening. We have no idea what's going on yet. We will try our best to find out. But, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen in your mind so that we know? And we do get evidence, I think, on... Um, there's a we get evidence uh, in these cases where, for us, it's shocking a little bit. You know, through, whether it's through EDP or whether it's through his uh, research, and there is a battle of like, well, I don't want to tell the family this because they're already kind of freaked out. But guess what? I have to because we're being filmed and they're going to see it anyway. So we have to, you know, obviously we're going to tell them, but it's how do you tell them? And so it it is in our best interest to find out why we're getting this evidence and why it's kind of intimidating so that we can tell them because it just showing them something that's kind of scary and not giving them a reason behind it, it's going to freak them out even more. And that's not our job. And, and Amy, that's one of the things that, you know, we, like we were talking about at the beginning here, that's one of the things that I think a lot of investigators, like not, let's not even look at 
paranormal television shows, but just look at people who are out there working, uh, you know, working these cases all the time. It's very hard for people to to be able to. Uh, be good investigators, but then to also have that that compassion to be able to to have that approach to be able to deal with people uh, on a one on one basis like that, where you know you might be the world's best investigator, but you might not be the world's best counselor, and you kind of have to be a little bit of both to be doing the job that that both of you are doing. You really do, and I think that that's why. I mean, we don't have like degrees or anything, but you know, I took quite a few psychology courses and stuff in college, and. Um, it's important to kind of have an idea of that, I think, going in. And I also, I mean, it seems weird, but I almost feel like once I became a mom, too, I became so much more sympathetic that it was a lot easier for me to kind of put myself in their shoes and um, just word things in a way and just kind of be more maternal. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's important. And I think that, you know, for, especially for teams out there, um, you know, you have to be ready if you're going to be going in. I, a fa- like going into a family's house, which is where most teams actually start, is so much more um, intimidating than doing like a big public space because there's just so much writing on it, and you just you have to do it right, and you have to really give it kind of the the attention that it deserves, and it, you just it, it's hard to even convey how important that is. And uh, we just got a question in the chat room that popped up uh, from Corey, and he wants to know, uh, you know, he's somebody who doesn't watch a lot of the, the Paranormal Ghost shows. He, he's popped into the chat room every week now, and, you know, we've kind of gotten to know uh, what his background is, and, and he's not somebody that's super into the to the ghost side of things, and he wants to know if these shows ever go out and shoot episodes where nothing happens. And I know that there's been episodes of Ghost Hunters where that's been the case, where you go in and you, you come out of the investigation with nothing. But what happens with this show and this format of trying to go in and help these families if you go in there and you can't find any answers for them uh, you, you know as you said there is a lot riding on it how, how have you guys talked at least amongst yourselves about what's going to happen if there's a family that you can't find answers for i mean that w- it would just be that like it, it, we would have to just tell them um you know i mean i don't think that we would ever come up empty-handed as far as like research goes because right. we could we can research all day Evidence-wise, I mean, there's always a possibility that will happen. Um, you know, whatever's there might not want to speak to us. That's why we spend so much time there, though, and that's why we really look for these cases that have had so much activity and they are so desperate, you know. So, um, And I think that's why spending more than one night there is so important because it almost becomes a case study at that point right. rather than just a preliminary investigation. And, and, and well, I, I, and on a positive note, let's, let's be quite honest, if if we go and investigate and we have all this research and history and we spend five grueling nights trying to make contact with someone and we make contact with no one and we are able to kind of, uh, you know, disprove or debunk some of these things that are happening in the house, see that as a positive. Right. Like, that's amazing. Your, your child that you have in this house no longer has to be afraid. There's nothing that's going on from our standpoint, from our five days being here. But we also take every measure. I mean, we, you can see us. We bring in the families. We bring in the homeowners to kind of, like, help us because, obviously, if there's an entity there, they'll be more familiar with the homeowners who live in the house. So we take every measure. And if we've exhausted all of our resources and still find nothing, then let's be happy about it. I mean, from from a standpoint where you don't have to be afraid of anything anymore because, you know, from it's not happening. And, and I don't know if it's the fact that these – 
television shows have now been on for quite a while and and people have become kind of accustomed to be able to watch them and and have a better understanding of the process of what goes through it but one of the moments in the in the in the premiere episode that really uh connected with me and made me say wow you know I like where they're going with this is the fact that at one point, Amy, you're just scratching your heads and saying, we, we don't know what's going on. You know, this has been going on. We've done the research. We've, we've caught some evidence, but we don't know how to piece it all together. And there isn't this necessary, uh, conclusion that you have to come to at the end of every episode where you have to give them a definitive answer. You're willing to go into it and say, we have no idea. We can only show you what we found and we can only show you what's come up in the research. Yeah, and we're not afraid to do that. Like, well, I mean, especially when we know we've done our due diligence. Like, if we have hit every lead and, you know, gone down every possibility and we still are coming up short, like, if there's certain things we can't get an answer to, we'll just let them know. And some of the stuff, you know, our hands are tied, like, time constraints. You know, if we're shooting over a weekend, sometimes, it's, you know, we'll find something and go, oh, we got to go to the historical society, and, oh, they're not open. You know, so sometimes we'll end up, letting the homeowner know, hey, you know, we started to go down this path and this might be a possibility, but we couldn't follow up on it for whatever reason. But here's this information if you want to follow up on it on your own. You know, so we're not afraid to, like, give them more stuff to look into or, you know, it's 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 always ongoing. You know, and... You know, you mentioned the the shooting schedule and the way that things might pull off. And, and, a, and a question came up, I know, uh, on Twitter during the premiere episode that I think a, a couple of people had asked this question, and I, I saw it a couple times last night. Sorry, I was covering a football game, so I came into everything late last night. But <laughs> I'm seeing all this stuff uh, that people are asking. And, and one of the big questions is that you guys had left Ghost Hunters because, you know, of the time constraints, of, of the way that the, the filming schedule had taken its toll uh, on, on your personal lives. And I don't think people understand that in doing this show – you know, part of the deal, and as you've you've talked about in the past, part of the deal was that you had greater flexibility and greater control over your own schedules. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer when you can get back into doing what you love but make it work for you on a personal level. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. That was huge for us because it was um, we decided, like Kindred Spirits was our idea. It's our show. We created it. We are executive producers, so we have complete control of the production. And so... Um, you know, that's why we said New England cases because I, you know, whenever possible, I want to come home at the end of the day or, you know, early in the morning. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so that, that was one of our, one of our, uh, you know, requirements. And so, um, you know, we traveled for a couple cases, but most of it, most of it was within two hours of my house anyway. You know, Adam is a little more flexible, but I have Charlotte, my daughter, and so, uh, you know, it's harder for me to get away. Right, and I live, you know, on the Cape. So getting off the Cape, like, in the summertime, which is when we did these shows, is, like, hellish. I don't know if anyone knows. <laughs> so, like, you know, I would have to plan accordingly, and I would leave, you know, either the night before to make it on time, or I would leave really early in the morning to make it off Cape. And I also was running a... I'm the executive director of a nonprofit theater company in my town. So I was running a theater company at the same time as you know, as we were going out to help these families and put all my ener- all of my energy into that, and then you know we needed that like space and that little time off that we you know programmed and planned in there so that we could each go to our separate lives and that I could take care of what I needed to do because we only operate in the summer in a the theater company and Amy could go hang out with Charlotte and then we would reconvene and, and regroup and we made the schedule and it worked perfectly. 
And it'll work out even better, Adam. And you know, as as the the seasons come along, and it's become it's already becoming a huge smash hit show. And as the popularity grows and grows, they can just start sending a helicopter to grab you and bring <laughs> oh, you. So it'll be so much easier. No, no, no. I think uh, we both decided. Listen, we both decided we're not filming in the summer anymore. <laughs> we're, not, we're just not doing it. Yeah, the summer was really tough for us. You know, um, so I don't think we'll be doing. It. I mean, Charlotte's obviously we'll do what we need to do uh, yeah. for season two. But <laughs> we've already we've already talked to our manager. We're like, oh, you know, there's a couple things we need to do differently. <laughs> well, uh, you know, like you said, you're going into people's private homes. So if you're filming in July and August. The first question I'm going to ask is, do they have air conditioning? Because I'm not spending no. five no. days there nope. if they don't. They're in New no. England. Nope. No, so many of them didn't. Like, I'm watching the episodes. I'm just horrified. My hair is all frizzy. Our faces are all shiny. We're sweating. You know, no one in New England has air conditioning. And so, you know, last night even in the middle, you know, at the end of the episode, we're talking to this family. And, um, you know, they had the cats. And at that point, the cats, we had let them out because we were done investigating. And we had a fan running in the window. And so... Uh, a bug flew by, and then a piece of hair kind of flew in between them, and everybody's like, a ghost, a ghost. <laughs> like, no, the fans were running. There's cats. <laughs> it was definitely I mean, hair. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie was there, and Stephanie, no, it was hot in the house. It was so hot. Which is weird, because I would have thought you would love it, because you're always cold. Naturally, but when I read, I tend my body temperature just goes up. So um, people have joked for years, like if I do a gallery reading, I start stripping off layers, because for whatever reason... That's an extra charge for the show. See that? So um, I walk in, and I realize there's no air conditioning, and all I could think about is how curly my hair is at the moment, and I am going to embarrass the hell out of Amy and Adam for asking me to come on the show, because I'm going to look like a poodle by the time I No, you did fine. You you were wonderful, honestly. (laughs) I had never seen your work, and I I enjoyed it, and I'm so glad you were able to come and help us uh, on that case, for sure. Well, I'm I'm so thankful to have met you finally and have been asked to come on because you guys are awesome to work with and everything that Tim has asked you and your answers, I can definitely attest to it being 100% true. I could not have, I mean, obviously it was my first time reading on national television, which was terrifying to think about. I had a, um, my friends, you know, were joking with me because I've tried to hide it for so many years and, you know, here's, you know, the, the largest way to come out with it is uh just jumping right in and. Um, I could not have felt any more comfortable being with the two of you. And it, you, what you see is what you get. You guys are not any different on TV than you are in real life. And you were so kind and, you know, hospitable for it not being your own home, but for lack of a better word. And um, it was an amazing experience. So you guys are totally awesome. awesome. Well, you were spot on. So let's just be honest about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really you were. We were like, we were blown away. And, you know, I mean, I've worked with you before, but it was just nice to be able to, you know, I, that's why I trusted you to come into this family's home. And, you know, and, and we were like, you know, let's see what happens. And and then we were just, it was awesome. So I'm so glad it all worked out. And I'm glad you could, it's nice, too, that you could kind of see how we operate. You could see how the production operates, you know, because people, they, they make so many assumptions. And actually, kind of off topic, but I have to say, I have never had so much positivity about a show I've been involved with as I have this show online like I right. mm-hmm. yes the, the the negative comments have been very few and very far between you know it's been pretty crazy but I mean they're out there but like I mean I expected so much more I was so nervous but it's been very well received but you know people do pick it apart so it's nice that you were there 
and, you know, it can kind of attest to how we do things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, people definitely know how honest I'm brutally honest about everything in uh, it was an awesome experience. And I'm, I'm laughing at myself, you know. Obviously, you know, I think somebody tweeted to me like, oh, was it edited? Of course it's edited. It would have been a four-hour episode if it wasn't uh, edited. And my my aunt made fun of me today. She's like, what are you doing with your hands? I'm like, honestly, I'm probably like jumping from the chickens that were around my ankles because nobody saw the chickens on the episode. There was 47 chickens in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing, the funniest thing, if you watch, because I watched the episode again at 11, because during the first episode, I'm like tweeting my face off. Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to keep up. So then I watched it again at 11, but by that time, it's so late, and I'm, like, falling asleep. And then I, so I watched it on DVR again today, and I, like, start picking it apart and, like, looking at the nuances. And I love, there's one scene when we're walking back in from that backyard. And remember how we went down back behind that fence? Yes. And there was all that chicken poop? Yes. Like, everywhere chicken, like, can I say the S word on this? I, I won't. Yo, anyway. No, we're only on YouTube, so absolutely. Oh, great. Chicken mm-hmm. shit. There was tons <laughs> of shit just, like, everywhere in the back. And if you watch us walking in for that last moment when we're outside, I'm looking at the ground kind of like dragging my feet in the grass, <laughs> and it's to get the poop off of my shoes. The worst part was, and I said this to them while we were filming, I never come prepared, and I don't know what's wrong with me, but I wore flip-flops. So when I stepped right. behind the, the fence, I literally sunk into the ground, and That's I knew it right. was happening. So I grabbed onto the fence. I'm like, guys, what am I standing in? This is awful. And Adam just looked at me. He goes, chicken shit. Chicken <laughs> Great. Yeah. There Great. Was I mean, but I think, you know, what, what, what was a lot of, like, for instance, you know, we were on Ghost Hunters. They've never used psychics and, and whatever. But right. I, I think it was wonderful. It was wonderful to have you come in. And for us to explain, you know, how we would use a psychic and, like, explain it on the show so that people get it and they understand it. Because, you know, people are very critical. Yes. And I think that's wonderful that we were able to do that and that you were able to come on. And and it's, like, it helped us and it correlated and matched with information that we had already found, which you would have never known. That's why I'm like, I mean, my (laughs) information. You do realize that the the process of... of going and filming the show with you guys it had Stephanie terrified because she was like calling me and telling me she was like they're taking me there I have no idea where I'm going you know somebody's bringing me to the site I don't know anything about it like you know I said don't worry they're not going to kill you all I kept saying was thank god I trust Amy thank god I trust Amy you you know my my family my husband were like what you're going where we did the same thing to Chip who his episode is next week it's um you know we we just basically, like, we had, like you, we had you meet our, one of our crew members yep. in a parking lot. <laughs> and we took down everything identifiable in the house, any pictures of the family, anything that could be leading. And our crew member just brought you to the house. You had no idea where you were going. And, you know, it just, it's, that's the only way we can do it, really, and have it mm. be legitimate. I think and it was it, awesome. But what's yeah. what's different though is too is and it's interesting that you have the episode with Stephanie and the episode with Chip airing back to back weeks because they're two completely different styles, you know mm-hmm. where is Stephanie coming in and she's just picking up what she's picking up and relating that to you and 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 kind of just being the conduit between you and the activity. Chip's going to come in there and he's a lot more direct in in what he does and and you'll get different results with different styles just as you would with any type of investigative technique. Yeah, for sure. I think people are really going to notice that next week. And it doesn't disappoint. Let's be perfectly honest. Like, we, our friends aren't losers. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 
Right, and so they know what they're doing, and we trust, and obviously, you know, just like in any field, if we were going to bring in a child psychologist, if we were going to bring in a grief counselor, a priest, we would bring in people that we know in real life and that we trust in real life because that's who we know, you know, and and I think it goes to show um, on Kindred Spirits, we bring in people that we respect, and, and I'm, I'm glad that we are able to do it, seriously. And, but you can tell it's not just a matter of, you know, hey, we're friends with this person, so let's bring them into the show. You know, let's see if no. we can add somebody else. You can tell that, you know, that there's a reason. You're not just bringing people in for the sake of, hey, you know, I haven't worked with Chip in a while. Let's bring him in. You know, it's it's everybody's contributing to the cause, and everybody's contributing to what it is that you're trying to do with helping these families. Right, and you can, and um, not, I'm not giving away any spoilers, but you can see in this past episode and the next episode, what we're trying to achieve is different. And so we bring in the people that we think can help us achieve the goal. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's how you would roll, it's how you would do a normal investigation. I mean, let's be honest, it's how you would do an investigation. And and that's what I thought was the the best part about when you started talking about how you guys were getting your own show is the fact that not only do you have greater flexibility over your schedule, greater flexibility over you know the the way the production goes, but now it's it's your investigation with your style. So it's not like on Ghost Hunters where you're part of a team and that team is following a philosophy and you kind of have a a pattern a a set format for the investigation. You know, you guys can kind of go in there and, and freewheel it depending on whatever the moment calls for. Exactly. I mean, we definitely, um, we kind of fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. Like, we always go in with kind of a, a general idea of how we're going to conduct an investigation, but then we will switch it up in a heartbeat if we think it warrants it, you know? Um, and so it's nice to have that kind of control. And it's nice that it's just the two of us. There's um, you know, nothing against larger teams because, like, you know, on Ghost Hunters, there were, you know, six or seven wonderful investigators all the time. But sometimes there's kind of this hierarchy where if you wanted to try to do something new, you had to go through this person and this person, and then you had to be okay by production and blah, blah, blah. Where in this case, Adam and I can legitimately just look at each other and say, hey, we should try this. What do you think? Yeah, let's go ahead. You know, and it's so much easier, and there's just this better flexibility um, but Adam and I are usually always thinking the same thing anyway, so it's <laughs> true. Well, I mean, when she when she told me about the murder, clearly the last that sentence where I'm like, well, we're going to shoebox, we're going to shoebox lane. I mean, that we were, we were, we were going to get into it. And it was pouring rain too, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, it's pouring rain. Don't care. We're going to go right now and find out what's happening up there. And you know, yeah. just to break down the fourth wall a little bit there, though, you mentioned kind of the hierarchy of investigation. So as being part of Ghost Hunters, was it kind of determined uh, who would investigate certain areas? And Because and, I know that a lot of times you would see that you would switch out from, from area to area, and each one would spend certain amounts of time in that. But, I mean, is it is it like – because, you know, when we do – uh, spooky South Coast events or Legend Trips events, you know, we have a rule. We always stick Monies in the place that nobody else wants to go. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, at least with this, you don't, you know, you're all, you, you can say that, yes, you can choose where you want to go, but you're also the only ones you can stick in the places that you don't want to have anybody go. Yeah. Usually I mean, that's me, though. For, Usually yeah. it's like Adam in the cross. <laughs> yeah, Adam did have to go in the cross But, no, I think with Ghost Hunters, we never knew, like, ahead of time we were going. You know, we would just, they would do the tour, you know, uh, Jay and Grant would do the tour and, or Jay and Steve eventually, and then they would come out and just kind of, we'd divide up in the teams and they'd just kind of decide right there who was going where. It never really was like something we knew ahead of time. Um, and so, and that was, that was the other thing that was really tough sometimes because by the time we got, 
you know, we'd be going on the tour, but they go on the tour, but we weren't on the tour. And so we didn't have the same information as far as what the claims were. And we'd have to hear it either through another team member or through producers. And sometimes it wasn't always correct. And, and so oh, wow. this way, it's always coming directly to us. You know, it's always we talk to the client and it's nice. I didn't even realize it worked like that. I just assumed that you got the same access information in, in terms of just the, the the layout and the tour. I assumed that you just got that, but they just didn't film your aspect of that. No. 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 They, no, no. They didn't. I mean, sometimes up. we would go back through and, you know, Tango would take us back through and, and, and walk through it kind of and do it like another mini tour. But, yeah. You know, it wasn't always that, that information did always get downloaded the exact same way. <laughs> you know, it depend, it, it just, it's a lot of information to remember an entire tour. So it was, um, but that, and that didn't even start happening until later on. Right. And not that it, and not that it gave us, um, you know, bad information, but hearing it from the horse's mouth is always better. Like hearing it from the actual client is sure. always better. I mean, always in, in every sense of the word. So it's not like that yeah. we were going in with, false notions it's just our job is a little bit harder in that case and also if we did a small home um you know only two people would go in at a time and so there would be a lot of us especially amy and i like sitting out in the tap van and yukon just waiting to go in because you know only two people can go in at a time and so amy and i would start going in like later in the evening and we would work later obviously later at night and by that point, like waiting around, you get tired and you're, it's, it's, it's fatiguing and it's, it's tiring. And, and with this, yes, it's tiring, but at least we're doing things all the time. We are constantly going and constantly progressing the case and piecing together this basically, you know, this private investigation of this home. And and you're not just uh you know it's not just a matter of being comfortable with the homeowner and being comfortable with the family that's in there, but the same two people being there for this entire time could also make the spirits more comfortable, so that they're willing to to get to know you and come out more and interact more, as opposed to just seeing you know every couple of hours somebody else cycling through. Absolutely, and and they, we don't. I don't think we've shown it, but. We always, before we investigate, we always have the homeowner introduce us to whatever is there. Like, we have them bring us in, and, you know, after we do the tour, we have them explain to the entities there, like, these are my friends, these are Amy and Adam, they're here to talk to you, you don't have to be afraid of them, they, they are welcome here. And, you know, we we just have them tell them so that whatever's there knows, okay, these aren't just two strangers walking in here with weird equipment, you know, waving it in my face, asking me to talk to them, you know. <laughs> well, and that's what's great about this is, you know, this is, is something you could... Uh, and as you talked about it, you, you mentioned it that they actually do rebroadcast it and they, they rerun it on Destination America during the week with bonus footage, right? Yeah, yeah. And they do every Tuesday at 10. So, and I remember when, you know, the announcement came that it was actually going to be on TLC instead of Destination America and you guys were very excited because, you know, it's a, it's a bigger network. It has more reach, more homes, more people could see it, more families could, could realize that they could get help. And Stephanie was terrified because she's like, that means more people are going to see me on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm getting used to it. I, I definitely. You, oh, she's used to it. You should have seen how she pulled up tonight, driver, driving her here. Oh, stop it. Uh-huh. I had to roll out the red carpet to Honestly, let her in. I, no, I mean, I, she is very humble, you guys. Come on now. She's well, very sweet and very humble. Thank and you. I'm glad that you're taking it so well, Stephanie. 
I'm, I'm trying. I, I definitely will never, ever get to your level. But I um. No, no, no. It's, Welcome it's... to the Q list. <laughs> we're not even the D list. We're the Q list. I love it. Um, we're we're nobody because we just like to help them. Oh, Adam, <laughs> you're a you're a star of whatever room you walk no, into. I you know here. it. Yes. <laughs> People say stuff all the time. They're like, we think you're a celebrity. I'm like, no, we're not. We are our normal selves, and we just happen to be able to do what we love to do, documentary style, to educate other people. Like, it's not about, ugh, whatever. Whatever. You know what, though? Like, I, that's I just, what's so lovable about both of you. And um, you're real with people, and you're real with yourselves, and you, you're just doing exactly what you love, what you have a passion for, and that's what made me feel so comfortable. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's what that's our goal is to just let people know that. I mean, we I think we probably both forget we're on TV most of the time. All the like time. I forget about it. I don't even think about it. You know, I, I took Charlotte to a birthday party today. Well, two. It was a very busy day. <laughs> and, <laughs> a lot of October and, birthdays. Yes. Yeah. My daughter's party was today. Me at the first party, like they came over and they're like, "I watched the show the other night," and it literally took me like a minute to be like, "Show." I'm like, "Oh." Oh, show, yeah, thank you. You know, I just, I just, I don't even think about it in that sense. See, Adam, I always tease Amy about this, but she doesn't, she doesn't realize all the time that when she's going these places with Charlotte, she forgets the fact that her daughter and her dog are more famous than she is. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is true at this point. Yes. Charlotte dancing with Zoe is definitely more famous than anyone could possibly imagine. I see that popping up as a GIF, like uh, you know, just really? showing up online. Yeah, people, people love that. I know that is so it's cool. So funny. People are asking Zoe for her her autograph, her prophet. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know what I will say though about like it's funny to think about like people watching the show and like seeing it, but it's good because a lot of people ask us, well, how do we deal with our own uh, the activity in our own home? And really, this is a way for people to learn how to deal with their own the things that are happening in their own home. It's it's all about taking back your home or just or just talking to them or speaking to them or not jumping to conclusions. And I think that people that have activity in their home can watch Kindred Spirits and kind of learn something for themselves because, you know, there are a lot of homes that are haunted and we can't get to all of them and there are teams, there are a lot of teams out there, but they can't get to all the homes, you know, and I, I feel like it's a learning experience for everybody. Well, you know, you mentioned things that happen in your own homes, and in the early days of Ghost Hunters, before either one of you were even on the show, they focused on that. They focused on, you know, what the day-to-day life was like for for Jason and Grant and for the team, and, you know, back when the, the mobile home was out in the front yard and oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But oh, yeah. Is, I saw those. Was there any talk at all about, you know, because obviously this is going to have an effect on your personal life, and, and some of these cases might come and, and have an impact on you outside of the homeowner's ho- house. Have you talked at all about what, what you'll do if that happens as, as part of these cases? Will you allow your own private life to be involved in this if it if it is connected somehow to the case? Uh, no one's ever asked that. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if I don't know how that would happen, really. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I know we were like affected psychologically already by these cases. Like, I started having yeah. panic attacks and stuff after we started after we finished shooting this season. Um, but I don't know that I would. I can't think of a, a instance where our private life would be. I mean, I could see them maybe like shooting at our house or something if there was a scene we needed or. You know, like a, a moment, like a, a catch up or something. But I don't, 
I think we would avoid that. Yeah, you do want to have that that wall, and at the same time too, like, but it's it's kind of a tough thing because it can happen. Although you mm-hmm. hope that with these cases, especially if it is family members, they want to stay with their family. Well, I, I see, oh, here's I the thing. Here's the thing. I, I see what you're getting at, but I don't think, I mean, knocking on wood, I guess, per se, I don't think we get, that would happen because we are, we've been on, I mean, Amy's been on, let's just be honest, like thousands of cases. I've been on a, a bunch of cases, and we are strong in our person and in in what we feel. We don't put our faith and our energy in, like, uh, special charms or protection or medallions, you know, we are protected by our own strength and our own attitude. And have things followed us home? Sure. I mean, Amy has a couple of stories where it has occurred, but it's all in the line of work. And I think we would be able to deal with those things on our own and in our own time, and it wouldn't be necessary to put it on film because, A, we aren't the show. Our show is our show and our business is to help other people, and it's not about us. So I don't ever think our show would skew into the direction of, oh, now let's make it the focus on them, because it's not about, and, and you know what I'm saying? It's not about us. No, absolutely. It's about, it's about them. And so even, I think, even if the activity came to our homes and it became an issue, I think we would just handle it. And I think it, we wouldn't make it a thing, because, again, it, it isn't about us. So uh, I said that, you know, the the best thing that I heard on the show was, you know, being able to admit that you didn't have all the answers to something. And the best thing I've now heard off the show is you saying it's not about you. And I think that that will people will connect with that. And they're realizing that after watching these first couple of episodes that, you know, it's it's almost like when you're watching the show and you're watching what the family's going through. You know, I watched Poltergeist with my son tonight. Uh, he had never awesome. seen it before. He's 12. Uh, we, he's just starting to get into horror movies, so we watched it together. And I said, you know, what's great about this movie, it has it, it has great effects and a great story, and I love it. But what uh, always keeps me going back to that movie is the family and the way the family comes together and the way the family does battle with what this is. And you see the connections they have one another and with one another. And it's the same thing with the families that at least we've seen featured so far is that you're just there to kind of point out the strengths that they already have and, and the ability that they already have to deal with this, you're just kind of giving them the background and the support for that. Yeah, for sure. And we're kind of, we're, we're also putting a, a, a name or, or, you know, hopefully a name to what who's actually there. You know, imagine having something in your house and thinking it might be someone that you love but not being entirely sure and you're just like not sure how to interact with it <laughs> and that's it's a it's a very strange position to be in that these folks uh, find themselves in and and on a positive note we've heard back from these families and a lot of their lives have changed a lot of their things that they were worried about before we got there don't exist anymore and so you know these things are you know they're moving on, and they are, they are getting help. It's not just us coming in and, and doing this thing and then leaving. They their lives are forever changed by the work that we are trying to do. Well, I mean, the important question is: Did last night's family call you and be like, "Guys, we cleaned up all the chicken shit. We didn't realize it was that bad until oh we saw you no. out there." <laughs> no, but they have. They do follow us on Twitter, and they are very. They're awesome, and they are loving. And I think. Oh, I think one of the. Um, uh, Janine from last night, yeah, she like went to her mother's grave today, um, and visited her mother's grave, and she like this is so odd. I mean, I don't think it's paranormal. It may be really, really weird coincidence, 
but she bought a candy bar, and the expiration date of the candy bar was her birthday, and the there was something else on the candy, like the numbers on the candy bar were there with the phone number that she used or her oh, mother wow. and her father's lucky numbers, and the candy bar was made in Vermont, which was the last trip that her mother and her took. Like there were a lot of these coincidences that happened by this candy bar when you know she bought it and went and visited the grave and like was eating this candy bar and then noticed all these coincidences. Is it a coincidence? Maybe, sure. But like, you know, she uh she's recognizing signs, quote unquote, when she feels like her mother's reaching out to her and she put up the pictures of her mother and um, you know, everyone, you know, they're moving on and their lives are definitely better. And and, and the other um another thing, she reached out to me today as well. Um Someone, a neighbor of her, saw the show and contacted her and told her exactly who the man was. That was the uh-huh. no. name. Yeah. What is his name? Wait, do you know? I'm not. I, I don't want to say it publicly. Wait, which <laughs> guy? But yeah, she. I'll tell you, but yeah, she. She found out his name, who he was, and everything. And and everything. You know, we'd heard stories, and we couldn't confirm who these people were. Wow. Because they never. They never bought the house. They were tenants, and there were rumors that the guy had passed away in the house and all this stuff. And, you know, you, you can't confirm that. If somebody dies of a, in a house of, like, natural causes, there's not a police report. There's, you know, unless you can find their death certificate, you don't know. So, right. <clears throat> Well, what about dietomyhouse.com? I keep seeing it popping up all over the place, right? Um, I have tried that, by the way, right. on numerous occasions. In, in houses that I knew someone died in the house, and it's never once with a death. <laughs> Listen, I actually killed somebody in my house and then went on the website right afterwards, <laughs> and I was like, it, I can't, it didn't even show up. Oh, my God. It, it's all right. It was a spider. Uh, it's so, fine. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, it's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Forget I said anything. Good thing we're on YouTube only. Uh, but uh, one of the things that came up in last night's episode, and it, it set off a lot of stuff going on on Twitter, was the EVP that was captured. A lot of people kind of going back and forth about what was being said there. And, and I think that's, that, that's one of those things. You know, we put EVPs out on the show before, and they go out there in perpetuity, and it becomes something that people keep discussing and debating, you know, uh, all the time. So that's what I think is really interesting, is when you get your audience not only to enjoy the show, but to kind of want to help out and be part of the, the investigation and the analysis. Which oh, EVP, the mother one? <laughs> yes, the mother one, yeah. Yeah, they um, they really, like, I, I mean, more so than I ever experienced with ghost hunters. Like, I have hundreds of messages of people who they, they are noticing everything in this show, and they are noticing, you know, obviously the EVPs, like, everybody has their interpretation of what they said, but, like, as I'm sure Stephanie now knows, you know, they always sound very different on TV than they do mm-hmm. in person. Like, it's just a totally, di- it's just the way they come through the speakers, and it depends on your TV and your cable provider, and, you know, us being there, we definitely have kind of the best idea, but then you also have people who are just noticing everything. Like, they noticed, uh, you know, there's a, a reflection of one of our cameramen in, in in, in one shot, they noticed some legs walking in the forest and a B-roll shot. You know, they, they see it all and I love it. I, I think it makes the show fun for them. You know, they're just, they're looking for any little bit of evidence. Yeah, I did have to, you know, put a kibosh on the orb today. Oh, yeah. Post, yeah, I've gotten uh, so many messages about that. I had to post about the orb. It's on my Facebook page. Take a read. If you don't know what an orb is, I've explained it to you, and I've given you steps to prove whether or not you have actually seen an orb. 
step one, step two. If you get to step three, it's still possibly not an orb. <laughs> so, so go and take a piece because, you know, that's the only thing. It's like it's a, it's a nice way to educate people because people are getting excited and they see it and they're like, oh, my God, this is happening. I can't believe it. And then it's, it's a great platform for Amy and myself and for anyone in the community that knows what they're talking about to go and say, hey, let me educate you on what this actually is. And so people can move on from, from orbs and such. Absolutely. And, but that's the thing, Amy, is people just want to get out and they, you know, they want to kind of investigate in alongside you and Adam. And funny enough, there's a way that they can actually do that. Oh, yes. Uh, um, I know that you have experienced this, but, you know, I own a company called Strange Escapes. And basically the idea is it's a, it's a travel company geared towards planning paranormal getaways for people. And so we have these really great weekends that have, you know, paranormal speakers, you know, authors, TV personalities, um, and they give lectures during the day, and then at night we actually investigate these locations. There's, you know, usually cocktail parties and dinners, and it's just like it's a it's a vacation uh, geared towards paranormal lovers. And um, we go to places like the Mount Washington, the Stanley, the Queen Mary. Um, we're going on a cruise out of Boston next Ooh. May. Um, Who's going on the cruise? That looks so exciting. I know, and I got to tour the ship yesterday that we're going on, and it is gorgeous. I mean, there's a lot of people going on that cruise. I think somebody went on a cruise last time with us. I know. I think Mr. Weisberg is joining us. I don't know anybody that's uh, going to be on a cruise. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing everybody in the chat room that, that's that's going, and, and some people are asking. Uh, there there are still a few spots uh, for it if people want to get there involved. There are, yes. There, are, there aren't many, but there are a few spots left, and that's, you know, um, definitely sign up sooner rather than later because it's filling up very quickly. And the website is strange-escapes.com. And it's and worth it's worth going just for the the late night John Tenney conversations. Yeah, that is true. And I will say, those of you lucky enough to go on the cruise, you know, we are doing the 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 Salem excursion, you know, and then we you can get rooms at the Hawthorne. And Ben and I just spent two nights at the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem this past week, and it was the only time in the history of my life where I stayed in a haunted hotel. And not been like, and not had activity while I. I mean, uh, not not had activity. Meaning that when I stay in these haunted hotels, I can just sleep like a baby because I'm tired. Usually, I'm just tired and I want to go to sleep. But I literally had activity in this hotel, and I could not believe it. I was like laughing at myself. Well, it's because I was like, of all places to be right now, this hotel is giving me the creep. It's and it's really, the, really great. The rooms are so small, Adam, that you're right up against the ghosts. That's the thing. It, is, you know, it's, um, it's honestly, it was it was crazy, and Ben noticed it, and even our dogs, who don't give a flying fart about <laughs> anything, were acting kind of strange. And I remember thinking, out of all the places and the crazy things that we've slept in over the years, this is this is the hotel that's going to like show me some ghosts while I'm trying to go to sleep. And it was, I texted Amy about it the next day, and it was like, I had activity last night. <laughs> so everyone has to come and do it and have fun with us. Uh, such a great, great city, uh, great being around Salem. You get that, and you get the cruise. You get to go through the Bermuda Triangle, and there's there's a guarantee that we're all going to come back in one piece, right? Uh, that's Well, no, you sign a waiver. Okay, all right. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you, hey, if you're going to disappear, that's the place to disappear. So there's a good chance you can just come back 45 years later and still be the same age. 
So it'll That's work. So creepy. Hey, I'm down for that. So if everybody wants to get on board with these events, no pun intended, they can just go to <laughs> strange-escapes.com. And it really is. It's a community. I, you know, I, I took part in the cruise last you year. It was my first time being part of one of your events, and I made friends with everybody. Friendships that still exist today. Talk to these people every day. So you're surrounded by a great group of people, and uh, and so even if somebody's thinking about going on their own and they're a little bit concerned because they won't know any better, that will last about 15 minutes before you become part of the the Stranger Escapes family, become one of the escapees, and and you'll fit right in. Yes, definitely. So, Kindred Spirits, TLC on Friday nights at 10 o'clock, and then rebroadcast on Destination America with the extended edition at 10 o'clock on Destination America on Tuesday nights. Uh, What can we expect, Adam, from some of these upcoming episodes? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, it's it's just the beginning. I mean, if you thought this last episode was creepy and awesome, they just keep getting better. And I'm not even saying that as, like, to get people to watch. They really do. They literally just keep getting better, and I am bored by it. So everyone has to tune in. They have to tweet us, which we always tweet live during the shows, and we interact and talk to people and answer your questions. And um, we have six more episodes to go, and I'm so freaking excited that it's out. Well, thank you guys for actually, uh, as I've told you before, for putting the heart back in this and for making people feel like, you know, there is a, there is connections to be made. It's not just about going out there and, uh, and seeing what kind of lights will light up and what kind of noises and bangs will be made. You know, you're dealing with living people and you're dealing with people who are no longer with us that all need help. So thank you guys for putting the show together and, and keeping a good focus on that and also for just being back on TV and we can keep up with all of your adventures that way. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. We super appreciate it. Thanks thank for letting you. us thank feel you, Stephanie. Too. Well, thank you, guys. <laughs> and, You're uh, awesome. We will we will see you guys soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Yes. Bye. Have a great Bye-bye. night. That is uh, Amy Bruni and Adam Berry of the new show Kindred Spirits. Again, check it out on TLC Friday nights at ten o'clock, and also the rebroadcast on Destination America. Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock, the extended edition. Stephanie, that means there could be more of you on TV on Tuesday night. What are you going to do? I know. You're going to watch it? I definitely will. Okay. I want to now go back and watch the episode to see all the stuff that Adam was talking about that I missed. As I told you, you know, and as I mentioned, I was coming back from covering a football game. So I have a like a 10... 15 deadline completely yes. blew my deadline i didn't file Did till like 10 30 that's awesome but well i always do it's they just know it it's just they expect it by now when they tell me 10 15 they really mean 10 30 i hope <laughs> but uh so but once it was over i tuned into the episode and jumped onto twitter and i haven't gone back and watched the whole episode in its entirety i went back to the beginning and kind of skipped around just right. i saw you oh thanks and then but i figured you know with this extended edition now it's like when you haven't seen a movie but then mm-hmm. you get the director's cut and you get to see kind of everything. Yeah, I'm hoping. So that's what I'm looking um, forward to. I mean, the whole experience was amazing. Um, and there's a few things um, that we had talked about while we were there that were edited out. So I don't know if they'll be in the bonus edition or not. But it was the whole experience was just awesome. I can't say enough about Amy and Adam. Um, and I don't say that because anybody that knows and Tim, you know, too, like I I'm not paid to say anything like that. It was a great experience. And. Um, they were so welcoming and so, so comfortable. And, um, it was definitely a surprise, I have to say, when they, they stopped me and said, okay, well, we're going to tell you some things now. And, um, 
I think I was so shocked by everything that they were saying to me because I know what I was connecting with mm-hmm. that I don't even think I changed my face at all. And Candace was laughing at me last night saying, like, you're so even killed. It's weird. <laughs> what well, my, my favorite I, moment I of the episode uh, was when you walk into the backyard yes. and you start talking about some of the things that have been going And Adam just has that look on his face like, what? You know what? what? Adam's reactions to... To, you know, whether I was saying it or even in the first episode, I think are probably one of my favorite parts of the show. But he's like that all the time. I love his reaction. But it's to so genuine, which yes. is amazing. So, um, I saw that, I think in the beginning of the episode, they showed it quick and then they showed it again, but that was awesome. And, um, I wasn't even paying attention to them. So I had no idea, you know, what they were doing. I was so focused that seeing that from a different angle was really cool. And, you know, I'm sure some people are going to be listening to this podcast and saying, well, you know, you guys are friends with them, so of course you're going to say positive things about their show because you're their friend. You don't want to crap all over their show. No, listen, I'm telling you positive things about this from a variety of perspectives. I'm telling it to you as, yes, as as somebody who knows them and and works with them on things and supports them as people and as friends. But I'm also telling you as somebody who uh, watches these shows and can tell you, like, what is a good television show and what isn't, at least in my opinion. You know, and and I feel like if you are invested in the idea of paranormal research and you want to see how it's done in a way that it can actually help people and benefit people, they do it perfectly. Oh, absolutely. It's and why I started watching Ghost Hunters in the first place. I I always knew anybody could go and look for ghosts in famous haunted places. Right. But I didn't realize that people were actually letting them into their houses. Yep. And it's not a coincidence that I kind of stopped watching the show on a regular basis when they stopped doing that. Right. You know? Um, that's definitely a huge part of the show is just putting the compassion and the heart back into the point of paranormal investigation. I think that gets lost among a lot of people, a lot of groups where they just go in and all they care about is let's get the evidence. We need to scientifically prove this for what you're never going to be able to prove it. You're proving it to yourself. And even then who knows there's no you know, governing group that sits there and researches, you know, what you found. It's not going to happen. I might be wrong. You've watched both episodes. I might yep. be wrong. I haven't heard the word proof in, I think you're right. in any of those episodes. And if I did, it was in relation to, you know, uh, proving something correct that they thought or, right. you know, but nothing like saying like, this is definitive. This is what it is. And that the shows need to change. The shows need to start taking that direction of saying, you know, it's, and we talked about this with Ghost Stalkers. Mm-hmm. We, you know, when, when we're having conference calls and it's myself and it's Nick and it's the producers yep. and, uh, you know, and John Tenney getting involved in the calls and, and Chad when his schedule allowed, mm-hmm. you know, one of the discussions that we had was people already think that ghosts are real. The people who are watching these shows right. are not watching them to figure out if they think ghosts are real. Right. How do we take this to the next level? And I think that we're starting to see because you've got two people who have already accepted for themselves and understand it and they believe that their audience believes Mm -hmm. that they can kind of take it to the next level and and put it in a different direction. That's the only way, looking at it from a television perspective, that's the only way that these shows are going to survive. Right. Because the fad of just watching a bunch of people go out and investigate is over. It is. No matter what your approach is, it's done. There may or may not be shows out there that I even recently watched and um, it's just like, oh, let's go here. Oh, we debunked this. We debunked that. We debunked this. We didn't find anything. Bye. Mm-hmm. What's the point? I mean, and the, there's also people feel like there's the, the pressure. And, and the question came up from Corey in the chat room. You know, the pressure to have to prove something. If you go out and spend 
all this time and all this money to produce an episode of a TV show somewhere where you don't think something's going to happen. I can speak from experience. I don't want to put Amy and Adam on the spot mm-hmm. for this because what they do is different and I don't understand the research that goes into what they're doing. I mean, I, I have an idea as an investigator, yeah. but, uh, you know, I don't want to put words into their mouth as, uh, let them explain their process. Right. But I know that when the shows that I've worked on, the, when we research the locations, it, it's not just like we go into the first location that we think looks cool or the first location that will let us in. Right. There's a huge screening process to determine how likely it is that if we go there, we won't be wasting our time. Right. And that's why the locations that we picked are the ones that we picked because we want to make sure that when you go in there, you're putting yourself in the best possible situation to have an experience. You're not going to waste all that time and, and money and production in going to a place that might be haunted. Right. They want verifiable stories. You know, they want witnesses that are going to come there and be willing to share their stories on camera. And they want, you know, and I have to go and I have to look for other people who have investigated places, yep. seeing what kind of stories I can get, doing um, vetting interviews with those people. Mm-hmm. So even if you never saw a person on camera, but they had an experience there, there's probably a good chance that I talk to them right. at length to find out about what it was that they went through. And that's that's part of the process of doing this. So it, it looks like when they go into a place, oh, every place they go has activity. Well, first of all, I think almost every place can have activity if the right. circumstances are right. But the reason why they're getting hits when they go out to these places is because they put themselves in the best possible position to have that happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody tells you in the course of, you know, the pre-interviews, for some reason... Stuff only happens on a full moon, and it never happens the rest of the time. Well, you can be sure production is going to find a way to make sure they're there on a full moon. Yes. You know, all these little things that go into it, it's all taken very seriously in making sure that, you know, because if there are variables, you want to try to control those variables as much as you can. Right. Um, And I do have to say, too, from spending time, we'll call it behind the scenes, with Amy and Adam, what I heard them talking about while I was there, because they didn't tell me much, you know, after everything was over, after my reading was over, I heard them saying, you know, how long they spent in the library researching that day. Um, it's not, it's not like, oh, let's get, you know, a producer, associate producer or whatever to do our work for us. They're literally, that's not just for TV. They're, they're personally searching through records to, to see what they could find, which I think um, is a huge part of their show and a huge part of what they're trying to accomplish, too, because that's important. And they showed every single step of everything that they do, which is amazing, um, because I feel like that's just so lost now. And I think I think I saw on Twitter today or yesterday where how how are you getting such great EVPs every single time from a psychic medium standpoint? And working with energy and working with spirits and being in that that realm. Um, when you have two people that come together as well as Amy and Adam do, and it's not for TV, that's their dynamic all the time, and their energy mixes, and it's great energy, that opens it up for more things to happen. And even bringing me in or bringing in Chip, where you know we all have a great dynamic together, that makes it stronger for something to happen. Um, it almost just... It, it's like a big gaping hole opens up in the communication. Uh, I mean, just just as an aside, okay, as as they were mentioning, you know, I was on the cruise with them last year. Yes. And as part of the cruise, a lot of the time that you spend is not involved in investigating or being part of the paranormal. It's just kind of all hanging out together and and doing fun activities on the cruise. Right. And, And inevitably, you would see Amy and Adam together 
out somewhere on the ship, mm-hmm. you know, with with her families and uh, and and with other people. You know, maybe they're with Grant and his family, or Chip and and Greta, and all these people are all kind of hovering around them. And sure, yeah, some of the people who were involved in the group are coming and being part of it, mm-hmm. but other people, people who didn't recognize him from television, but just were kind of picking up on the vibe and picking up on the fun they were having, were coming yes. over to see what was going on. Right, because it is it's it's a friendship and a connection that is infectious. So that makes other people and maybe other dead people want to come That's over exactly and be involved. What happened. Because you have such a good thing happening and good energy. It attracts those things because they want to know what's happening. They want to say, hey, what's going on over there? We want to talk to those people. Are they nice? Are they, you know, you're not yelling, you know, like some of shows or even people that we've seen, you know, personally yelling at spirits or, you know, barking out questions. I I, got to get one of the uh, one of the new Kirk's shirts they have that they sell on Planet Weird. I haven't seen it. It just says in big letters, stop yelling at ghosts. I love that. I have to get one because I'm the I'm the. uh, the one of the biggest I always, perpetrators of that. So. Always say they're not deaf; they're dead. Yeah, well, I I do yell that at some of the people at the events. I'm like, <laughs> right. they're just dead; they're not deaf. Right. Um. I feel like you know when somebody talks. And the shirt glows in the dark too, by the way, which it? is even better. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. But it's true. Like, talk to them like you would talk to you know you and I are talking right now. Have that respect. Have that you know that just demeanor about yourself. And I feel like people lose that, and they almost sound like a robot. Would you want to talk to a robot? Well, I mean, in some ways. In in some ways, it's because people are so clued into being scientific about it. Right, that which is, they, in my opinion, the wrong way to go. Yeah, they, they want to be cold and calculating with it, and they want to come across as being objective and, right. and not trying to influence anything in any way. But how does that work in... It doesn't. You know, I like I, I don't I don't watch the Big Bang Theory, as you know. Ugh, but I such a disappointment. I, I have a, a general idea of the mm-hmm. of how hard it is for that Sheldon character to interact with people. Yes. So that's essentially what you are when you're going into some of these investigations right, and, you and see trying to conduct just it that one way. way. Right. Where the entire world is operating or the spirit world is operating a different way. So you have to know how to speak their language. Or and not even operating a different way, just operating in a normal human way. Right. You know, and instead of I mean, not to step on your answer because obviously no, you connect to that world more than I do. Yes. But I mean, just talk to them, as you said, like a person, but talk to them conversationally. Mm-hmm. You know, we make fun of Moniz all the time when he does an EVP <laughs> session for the questions that he asks, yes. but they work and they work because people want to talk about themselves and what they like. No, that makes complete sense. It's just the way he says it cracks me up you every know, time. What is your favorite food? He's such a weirdo. <laughs> um I mean, people will ask, like, how did you die? Are you dead? Like, they don't care about that. Some might not even understand that. They're not going to answer that. I usually ask, like, you know, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite color? Um, just to get some type of answers out of them. Or, like, answers pertaining to them personally if you think you might know who you're interacting with. And that's most of the time, if you watch Amy and Adam... Um, they ask those type of questions. Even um, a common question that Adam was asking while I was there with them was, "Do you need prayer?" But if you're talking from that per- like that time period, which is what we thought we were dealing with, it would make perfect sense because at that point religion was a huge thing, and you know even you know the other people that we were um, trying to connect with too, it would have been perfect for that situation. Um, you have to know going into it. What are you going to ask? Every spirit is different. Every situation is different. If you ask the same questions, you know, like a robot every single time, it's you're not going to get hits. It's not going to happen. And I think, too, like, and as I've tried to explain to people, that sometimes it comes about when you're not expecting it, too. Right. So don't just go in there and insist on asking, you know, an interview. Some uh, of the greatest EVPs that I have heard um, have been just with, 
you know, you and I st- like talking back and forth right now and having a recorder running, mm-hmm. um, or with white noise in the background or shuffling of your feet on, on pavement and you hear EVP pop up, you don't know when it's going to happen. They look for any way to get that in there. Speaking of EVPs, just, yes. just so you know, uh, when we are investigating the Reverend James Keith house yes. as part of next week's Bridgewater Triangle event, which you can still get tickets, there's only, only about 20, actually less than 20 left mm-hmm. at spookysouthcoast.com, but as we are investigating there, they have been picking up some EVPs there that are in um, Wampanoag language. So that should be pretty interesting because, first of all, I don't speak that. <laughs> that happened to me once. Hopefully somebody's there that speaks it. But. I was uh, at a local hotel to us right now. And um, I actually, I think that night I was with Mike Markowitz. And um, I was attracted to a spirit that was in a narrow doorway. And I said, I need to go in here and I need to ask questions. And as I was asking questions, I remember um, actually saying, like, I'm not. I'm not sure what they're saying to me. And that very rarely happens where I can't understand universally what they're trying to say. And But they were very adamant. And he played it back, and it sure as you know what sounded like Wampanoag. Well, I'll say this too. We've never really talked about what goes on in that place. Uh, you know, we've both been there. Mm-hmm. But um, there's something in the kitchen there. Oh, yeah. No, the, I told you I've had a million experiences closing up like, the bar at night by myself. When you walk the... the I think it's the second door furthest away from the bar in the ballroom. Yes. When you walk through that door, mm-hmm. yeah, there was something there. So that leads to the back hallway. One of the scariest experiences that I have had locking up that place alone at night or investigating it alone at night had been um, the sound of high heels walking. And when you hear them far away and you actually hear the sound changed to closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that makes your heart beat faster. And I remember being genuinely terrified. And it takes a lot to scare me because it wasn't, I'm like, for lack of better words, like stick me in front of a demon and I'm cool. This scared me because I knew how angry the spirit was. She was lost. She was confused. Um, She paid $9 for a drink. Yes. Um, we actually had historical evidence back up. Um, I knew what she looked like. I had described it to someone. They went into records and found a picture of her unidentified body. And it matched exactly what I had said. She was murdered and nobody had ever claimed her. So I knew how angry she was. So having that come toward me, but it's that kitchen area. It leads to that back hallway, but mm-hmm. that back hallway leads to an older part of the building that is no longer in use, which is where I had the Wampanoag experience. Yeah. So... Um, that place is pretty, pretty messed up. Well, speaking of messed up places, uh, we've been, we've been teasing this a little bit throughout the course of the night. Uh, and, and there are some, some people in the chat room, I believe, uh, I was taking a look at the the conversation's gone all over the place, which is what I love about the chat room. But, um, I'm trying to keep up right now. I do believe that there are some folks who are in there, uh, that were at last week's investigation. And I know I, you know, I see some people that were at Fort Adams as Mm -hmm. well, but, um, Last week we were at the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, and it was our first time having an event there under the new ownership, and they've done a lot of work in that house, first of all. Uh, I have to say that uh, Rob and Allison have done a fantastic job in fixing just the Absolutely. roof alone, and yes. uh, you know they're, they're the ones that are behind this. They're the ones who are you know want to see this succeed, but of course they have all the help in the world from Marion, who is kind of their their person in the house yes all the time and their feet on the ground if you will they everything that they've been doing is great there's still work to go but 
this process and, and, and there's a plan to the process. So right. they have an idea of when they're going to actually be fully Perfect. operational. Uh, but we went in Saturday night and it's still in the process of having work done. So there's still construction being done all around inside. Uh, there's, you know, there's tools out and there's rooms in the process of being converted over. And even like Marion was telling me like, oh, the, the, the wallpaper, as she was saying on the tour, the wallpaper yes. for this room's in my house. We're going to be coming and putting it up Monday. Right. You know, it's just constant change that's going on there, which, you know, can stir things up. But when we had gone there before, we did a Legend Trips event there. Yes, we did. And we had some significant things that happened to people. It's one right. of those events that people still talk about to this day. Uh, the shadow figure in the basement that was pretty much tormenting us for a while. Right. Um, and not, we won't give any names, but one of our good friends and a regular attendee to our events and yes. an investigator who works with us all the time on things, uh, we were using the Ouija board in the basement, which now are no longer allowed in the house, which I was, I was only joking, by the way, when I was making a big deal out of that. Oh, I know. Like I was, I, I know I, you. I wasn't sure if Marion knew that, that I was, like I wasn't really going to call Rob and Allison and educate them about Ouija boards, although I'd be happy to. Uh, right. in fact, next year at Salem Con, let's sit them down with Bob Merch and have yeah, them have a conversation cool. and see if we can get that little restriction waived. Yep. But then again, I can also understand it because we were using the board the first time we were there and we had something come through. You were upstairs. After my warning, by the way. I know. But you were upstairs. Yes, I was. And uh, you actually, had ca- you came down. In- I went upstairs and I got you and I said, we need you downstairs. You sent somebody upstairs. Oh, but we didn't tell you what had happened. Nope, but and I knew right then and there. As soon as happened. you walked into the room, you were like, you use the Ouija board. Good going. And, uh, and the spirit came through. And yes. it it attached itself to this investigator. Yes, it did. And you and I both know her very well. She's not somebody who right. is, you know, a big... I don't want to say she's not a big believer in that kind of stuff. But, you know, she she investigates frequently. She takes steps to make sure that kind of thing doesn't happen. She, now. Well, but even <laughs> but even then, she thought she had kind of an understanding of mm-hmm. how it worked. And uh, it's not like she was a first-timer who didn't know what she was doing. Right. You know? Uh, and it, it, it kind of made her life hell for a little while, and she had to involve you in helping her to remove the attachment. Yes. I mean, was that, do you remember how long it was? I know it was a, it was a matter of a couple of weeks that it had been, because you know, it took her a while to accept that that's what was going on. I could probably go back into like records and see when she did come. Um, I don't, I know she was very reluctant to come to me. So she came to you personally? Yes. And um, just said, I think, I think she went to another friend of ours first. That friend suggested at the time, I think you need to see Stephanie. And at the time I wasn't as close with them as I am now. I actually barely knew them. And um, I had spoken to her and just said, come for a regular Reiki session. Let's see what I find. If I find anything on you, then yes, I will absolutely remove it. And when she came in, I said, yep. You uh, you definitely have something, and we removed it. And was it a difficult removal? It wasn't easy, um, but I'm used to it. So What's the process of of doing that? At least, you know, just real <laughs> as much as you can shorthand it. I I don't even think I can without going into how Reiki works, how chakra systems work, how I open up chakras and clear them. And without that knowledge, nobody would even understand what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, but basically, so, it's it's a it's a step by step type of thing. Yep. Okay. So. Um, it involves a lot of, you know, intuitive 
stuff as well. So, um, because I'm, I'm basically reading her at the same time I'm doing this because I have to know what I'm removing. It's not just, Oh, I feel this here and I got to, you know, get it out of right. here. I need to know to make sure that I'm okay. So, um, she was from the time that I, she walked in to the time that she left. She was two different people. And it was affecting her everyday life. It was affecting her, her personality. It was affecting everything. And that's what she was telling me. You know, she's like, yep. I'm not myself. And she wasn't herself even in the messages she was sending me. Right. And that was the only reason I got concerned. You know, normally I'd be like, maybe you're just paranoid because, you know, yeah. Stephanie came down and said, why were you guys using the Ouija board? Maybe you're just paranoid about it. But it, it was having a serious effect yep. on her. It was. It definitely was. And... um you know, she had even said to me, like, at the end, she's like, I was always unsure of you. And um, just because I tend to be a really shy person. So she had never really had too many interactions with me. She's like, but now that I know, like, I, I really do feel like you're the real deal. And um, I think she was even kind of shocked and blown away by the events of what had just occurred. But she was all fixed once she left and um, definitely took some... Um, advice on how to protect herself in the future and then i've seen her since then we've gotten to the bottom of a lot of other um issues you know with like due to like you know attachments and things like that and um working with her regularly has been a great experience but um she definitely did not take my warning seriously like somebody else didn't take my warning well seriously. hey listen whenever anybody asks me about your abilities i always say oh no she's 100 percent the real deal when it yep. comes to being a, a psychic medium she's just a the rest of her personality is very sketchy. That's oh, what I always tell awesome. people. Awesome. I love it. Uh, but uh, no, in seriousness. <laughs> so we go back there and uh, and we're doing this event. And some of the people who came had been there before. There was mm-hmm. a couple who had been there with us on the previous visit. And so they immediately wanted to go down to the basement and try and see if we get the shadow figure again. We didn't succeed. but And also, um, they've opened up the windows that were down there before where they were all boarded up. So before we were completely in the dark right? and it was That's easier right. to see, but at the same time too, it was also easier to realize there wasn't anything down there that was causing the shadow. Uh, so it was a little bit harder, but the house is better for it. They're, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, but I messaged this person right at the beginning of the investigation and said, what was the name of that name that came, the name of the spirit that came through the Ouija board? Because you like to play with fire. And, well, I just wanted to know so that we could see if it came up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my original intention. Original atten- the intention. The reason why I asked was just to see if it came up. Uh-huh. And the reason why I messaged her, because I was like, I could go upstairs and ask Stephanie, but you were in the middle of a reading. So I said, let me just message her and see right. if um, if if she remembers. And, and you know, we can just kind of keep it in the back of our minds in case it pops up. I can say. And my, I actually said to the people in the room, if this name comes through... We'll take a step back and think about where we're going to go next. Right. But as the night goes on. But as you even said it out loud, you opened up that door. We, well, I hadn't said it out loud yet. I kept it to myself. Okay. So uh, as the night goes on, you know, we're having some strange things happen. There's a ball in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Actually, the room where um, uh, Eno was his name, right? Yep. Uh, where he spontaneously combusted, allegedly. Uh, we're in that room and there's a ball that will move itself around. We also invent- invented a new paranormal tool. Yep. The sticky hand. Yes. Which is uh, very serious. Matt, I actually got a sticky hand from... You totally missed out. ...from the oh, pizza yeah. place across the street, and yep. we used it on the investigation. I wrapped it around the ball. Okay. Because then we figured I could walk away from the ball, but it would hold the ball in place. Right. 
so that, you know, if it moved, like we would see. So I was like, okay, it's like a way of having a hand without having a hand. But all it did was as the sticky hand went undone and then came apart, like the ball would then just roll. So it was, it was like really cool to like put the sticky hand on and then have people walk in and be like, that ball's moving. But sticky hands are paranormal anyway. They so. are. They, I still can't figure it out. And the sticky right. hand, I, I like still, the way you think. I still have it and now it's ruined because, you know, we use it so much on the investigation. But, uh, you know, little things like that were happening. Um, uh, Mike was there with his SLS camera. He was picking up all kinds of stuff on the SLS and, and he's put it all up on, right, up on, that. uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but one of the stories that comes with this house, with the SK Pierce mansion, of course, it had the famous billiards room. Mm-hmm. Minnesota Fats came and played billiards there. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrities had come through this house and they'd stopped and played billiards there. And attached to the billiards room is a closet. And they referred to that closet as the rape closet. Because the stories are that that's what was going on in there. Right. That they would, the men would bring the women into there and force themselves on them and that's what they would do while the guys were playing billiards out mm-hmm. in the billiard room. And uh, Mike actually had his SLS camera positioned in the rape closet and he caught an amazing anomaly that we've seen some cool stuff come through on that system. Yes. On the connect in the SLS system. But this, I think, blows all that stuff away. In that closet, there's footage of the two anomalies being detected, two human-shaped anomalies being detected, and one is like advancing on the other while the other is trying to fight it off. And this goes on for a good two, three minutes. And you can see like in it, it's, it's, it's two people fighting. It's one person trying to do something to one and the other person fending them off. That's crazy. And, uh, so he showed me that as we were investigating, you know, after he saw it and I was blown away by it. Now that I've seen the full footage on YouTube, it's even more amazing. Uh, so that was going on. But also, while we were... Now, keep in mind, just getting to the place was hard for some people. Because their GPS was taking them in circles and keeping them away from the house. Uh, One person had sent me a message on Facebook to tell me they were running behind because of the GPS issues. Yes. And I didn't get the message till after we left Gardner at like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And what's funny is I got other stuff coming through my phone, no problem, during Mm -hmm. the night. And he got other stuff coming through during the night. So that was kind of strange. Yep, because I was in the car with you and that popped up. And then after the event, people tried to leave and I was telling Matt, three different people messaged me and said, I couldn't leave. I kept yes. circling around the house. And they had different cell providers. One was actually using a car GPS. Mm-hmm. So it was just weird in that fashion. But we're upstairs on the third floor investigating and there's a room where the door is said to close on its own. And we were holding the door shut, trying to keep that from happening. And as we're in this room with a bunch of people and a bunch of devices and everything, the message comes through from the person who had that attachment with the name of the spirit. Right. And so it comes through, and I looked at it and said her name was Laura. Oh, you said it again. Well, we're on the radio now. It doesn't it's, matter. We're not in the house. And I said, uh, we'll just do that, you know, like, diddly-doo, 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 like the Scooby-Doo ending, and we'll pretend like I never said it. We'll start You're over. You're going to have to because people are going to listen to it and go to the house and do that, and that is horrible. Well, it's good business for you because you can charge for the spirit <laughs> removal. Uh, <laughs> job security. Just takes a toll on me. No big deal. Yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> you've got donuts. You've got cupcakes. You'll be fine. I do have cupcakes, and I keep eyeing them. But it- So the we're in that room, and uh, we're trying to clo- hold the window shut so that when the breeze comes through, it doesn't shut the door, which is what people are saying happens all the time. and. Mm-hmm. I get the message and I say the name, I, I see the name and I say to everybody, do you want me to ask out loud if this person's here? And they they knew the story. Yep. 
And everybody was like, yeah, do it. So I was like, all right. Because they trust you. I said, well, they shouldn't. They should know better by now. I said, Laura, are you here? And as soon as I said that, no lie, as soon as I said that, the door slammed shut, like hard. And after that, we get a big gust of wind Mm -hmm. outside. All the K2 meters in the room start spiking. Mm -hmm. And we're running the Echo Vox app. And the Echo Vox says twice, Laura, Laura. And then so I'm like, well, Laura, did, did, did you die up here? Uh, no, I said, Laura, what happened to you up here? And it comes through and it says, raped, dead. So that was pretty intense. And, and, you know, as I was saying, it's like one of the few times I've actually felt like I was in a horror movie. Yep. Where, like, all this stuff just started going on all at once. So as I was warning the entire group about this entity and what it's capable of and what has happened in the past, I was sitting in the kitchen area and the lamp behind me actually fizzled out to nothing and then fizzled back on slowly twice. And you were standing there when that happened. Right. I have never had anything like that happen to me before. It was almost like a short circuit or... um I don't even know how to explain that. And that's like the only electricity in the house that's wired. Yes. So it's not like, you know, uh, it's not like it's dispersing out the house and it might have just dipped a little bit. Like everything is running right to that outlet. Right. And it was the only time it had happened all night. So if there was a problem with the electricity, it would have continuously happened. And it just so happened to, to happen right. Like I was doing readings all night in that room. Nothing. It happened right as I talked about that story. And my personal experiences with that entity and why I was trying to really warn people not to communicate. But basically what I was saying to that entity was, I'm not giving you attention. So here you go. Here's your attention. So um, I think that really excited people. And then you offering to discuss anything with it um, really excited people too. So you can... Uh, you can tell them what happened to you on the way home. I was uh, putting I was putting a, a link in in the chat room ah. for the rape closet footage. Uh, as for the video of uh, what went on in the room, I know somebody that was in the room had a camera. Mm-hmm. They were using earlier in the basement. I don't know if they had it running during that footage, but I will check in with them. Okay. So uh, I know who it was. So I will check in with them and see if they have anything of that. You know, a lot of people take days before they go back and start reviewing everything and putting it all together. So it could very well be that they did and they just haven't posted it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll find out and see if we can have that happen. So all of the stuff goes on and you know, that seemed to kind of be the end of the activity. We in a moment of, you know, just like what can we try next, we decided to turn the rape closet into a psychomantium, right. which I've now started doing it more and more of our events mm-hmm. because I think it's an interesting experiment, right. and I think people are willing to try, and it's something that they might not try otherwise on their own. So we put it together in the rape closet. We brought a... a it sounds so horrible every time I you know. say it. We brought the, the, the full-length mirror into the rape closet, and we borrowed your electric candle that you use for light while you're doing the <laughs> reading. Which readings, also kept dimming itself. It really, on. it went out on me while yeah. I was in the, the psychomantium. Which is so bizarre. And uh, And what's funny is... Uh, it was somebody who was at the event, Steve, he actually took out the battery, or maybe it was Justin. One of them yeah, took it I out think and, it was Justin. and cleaned the battery. Yep. And took it off the corrosion and put it back in. But it wasn't an old battery that had been sitting in there forever. Nope. So it shouldn't have been corroded. Right. Something was. If it was corroded, it wouldn't work. 
something was causing it to corrode. Corrode. So which is bizarre. We were. Um, I was in there, and I know that people had gone in there and reported different things happening. You know, their physical appearance had changed, and mm-hmm. they'd seen a few things. And you know, I've never actually done one. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to go in there and try it, and I'm going to see what happens. And when I was in there, as I said, the candle went out, so I downloaded a candlelight app on my phone, held that under my face. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was, at first it looked like my face was kind of like melting, okay. but I expected that, you know, because you're sitting there in the I dark. I was explaining to you, too, what could occur. You're you're adjusting to mm-hmm. what goes on. But it got really weird for me when I'm looking at my reflection, and I noticed that my reflection was nodding up and down. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I'm like, okay, hold your head still, because I thought I was just moving my head. Right. And I knew I was holding my head still, and my reflection still nodding up and down. And then I nodded my head, and my reflection didn't nod. Right. And then after a couple of seconds, my reflection was looking in all different directions, like turning its head, looking in all different directions, when I know my head was being held still. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really strange. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I left the closet after that. The the night wraps up. You know, we, we finish off everything that's going on. Um I think we actually went back down to the basement. And even in the basement, we were having some weird stuff yes. happen. Uh, we had weird figures that were showing up and noises, mm-hmm. uh, getting knockings and all that kind of stuff. But then everybody packs up and leaves. And it was one of the strangest, like, goodbyes of an event yes. ever. Like, normally everybody hangs around and says right. goodbye and everything. People were just, like, walking Flying out the door. Out. Not yes. even saying goodbye. Just, like, grabbing their stuff and leaving. I don't even think I said bye to anybody. And uh, we're just in the we're like in the process of packing up and cleaning up. Right. Normally, people just pop in and say, "See you later." We're leaving. Not there were one people. Person. There were people that left that I have no idea when they left. Yep. And uh, as we're as we're leaving, you know, everybody's having all these strange GPS issues. So we start driving home. Where we rode together. Yes. And so as we're driving back to my house, you're telling me like, "Don't you know leave your high beams on?" I would turn them off if a car was in front of me, and you'd right. t- say, "No, no, leave them on." Um, I guess you were picking up on, on something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you. We get all the way back to my house. You go to get into your car and you warn me, you know, make sure you say some sort of protection so that it doesn't follow you inside. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. Well, I kept telling you to make sure it didn't follow us on the way home. So I did. I did say, uh, you can't follow me into the house. You know, you go back to where you came from. You know, you're not allowed in the house. As soon as I walked in the door, I had some devices in my backpack. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walked into the door, the REM pod, which is extremely loud. Everybody complains about the REM pod I that I use. I ear REM pod. But uh, as soon as I walked in the door, it goes off. And I'm frantically ripping open my backpack, trying to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And I can't turn it off, so finally I just pulled out the battery. Now, it has an on-off switch on the bottom. Right. But it just kept going off. It wouldn't turn off. So I pulled the battery out of it. And it has like a recessed bottom. Like if you flip it upside down, there's like a recess in it, like a cup. Mm -hmm. And that's where the power switch is. So you have to like reach in and and press the button. And I don't know if something slid into there when it was in my backpack. I know that when I put it into the backpack, I always put it in the bottom. Right. And I put it, you know, that side down. Wouldn't you have been able to turn it off? Right. I would have thought that pressing the button would have made it turn off. Right. But, you know, I also would have thought that it wouldn't have turned on on its own either. Like, nothing should have been able to, mm-hmm. to push it's it. It's never happened But before. it's possible something could have moved around inside the bag. Of course. And, and turned it on. But it's the first time it's happened. And I walk around the events all the time with it in my bag like mm-hmm. that. And, and so it just was really weird that it happened right at that second as if it was saying, you can tell me all you want that I can't come into your house, but I'm still going to. Right. I'm still here. 
So um, I just I smashed the REM pod with a hammer real fast. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I would have. But uh, I did keep the battery out of it, and uh, and then I went to bed. And no weird dreams or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did sleep pretty late, but you know nothing you nothing like the last time that we did an event. We encountered something negative, and you know it was it affected us for days for phys- physical mm-hmm. effects. So see, I vote for the one at the SK Pierce Mansion being way worse than the one at Fort Tabor, and um, so I was driving home. I don't even know. I don't even know if I was home yet, and you messaged me and said, could you please, you know, send over extra protection uh, prayers for me? And all I thought to myself was, if you're asking for that, there's something wrong. And that almost shot my anxiety up, because now I'm worried about you and your well-being, because I know what this entity is capable of. And um, you had told me the whole story, and I did my best um, to clear out your house and you from where I was. It's stronger if it's in person, but I'm able to do it from distance. And um, after that, you seem to sleep fine through the night. That's why I asked you in the morning, did you have any nightmares? Because this particular entity loves to psychically attack people in their dreams. So, Well, come to my dreams all you want. You're going to be sorry when you get in there because they're, they're, not, they're not good dreams. It's not. It's I, not my good. dreams would scare the negative energy. It would turn it into a positive energy. It'd be like, I've changed my ways. Um, Tim's nightmares are too freaky. To give everybody a little bit of a a taste of what had occurred. My first trip to the mansion was probably about five years ago. And, um, the night before I had these horrific nightmares, very detailed. I knew I wasn't myself. I knew that I was in a different time period. I did not sleep. I woke up in the morning thinking what in the world just happened to me. And I rode up with Moniz and it's a two hour drive for me. So um, I was telling him, I said, for what this is worth, I need to tell you about these dreams. And in detail, I described it to him. So he already knew ahead of being there. Um, we met the previous owners of the mansion while I was there. I was going up with Andy and Matt just to, you know, read the house, mm-hmm. um, especially for Andy's research. And, you know, we have a good time. They, they like to take me to different places and um, not tell me anything about the location and have me read it. And... Um, to see if I pick up on things that are historically documented. And um, I sat down with the homeowners after I read the entire house and I told them the impressions that I had gotten and um, different spirits that I had connected to and what they had to say. And then I said, I have to tell you about my dreams last night. I just feel really compelled to tell you about them and I don't understand what they mean, but I feel it's connected. And as I started to tell the homeowner what I had dreamed about, um she started to tell me parts of the dream that I had because she had the exact same ones because she was tortured wow. by this entity. And we were going back and forth, like in a complete dialogue, back and forth with each other, finishing the story. And that really rocked me um, because it made me feel unsafe. It made me feel like no matter where I am, this thing can get to me. And I knew I had to do something different in order to block out that um capability for any entity never mind just this one so it wasn't a fun experience so then the question comes do we go back there and do another event i honestly don't know it's up to you i think we should um because people want to get in there and i'd what i'd want to see people because they will let people come in and and pay to investigate yeah so i think i would rather see it in a position in a, in a way that it can be kind of i don't want to say controlled but at least we can kind of give them those warnings and, and let them understand what it is they could right. be dealing with 
I honestly plus I want to see how much they improve the place because they're making improvements oh, every day. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I love going there. I really do. I wish I could clear out that entity from that house. And I was talking to Marion about it, and I was saying it's not my place and it's not my decision. It's not my home. Um, it's not my business. I don't own it, so I can't just go and do something like that against the permission. Right. Some people feel like they can, but. Um, I don't think it takes unless you have the support. The permission, You're yes, right. and the support. And um, it's just not my call to make. I mean, some people would argue that it's for the greater good, but I need to have that well, support behind me. I'm sure Rob and Allison are listening, so they can right. get back and, and let us know. But, uh, I mean, also, as it opens up as a, as a bed and breakfast, maybe there's a chance that a lot of the energy will change from people coming in frequently and I think it's for gonna, having the house lovingly restored. And It's going to feed this thing just like... I'm trying to be positive. Well, no, because we see it at the Lizzie Borden house. I know. Um, but it's like I was talking to Marion, and Marion said that this particular entity came in through a Ouija board. And it wasn't ours. It was it wasn't before ours. we got there. So, but before and, um, I got there, the previous owners had found out what was happening and kicked out um, the group that was using it because they were using it against you know the homeowner's permission. So, um, it's definitely something that it doesn't belong there. Um, but, I mean, if Rob and Allison want me to do that for them, absolutely, I would be willing to go in there and do that because I think everybody would be safer. Oh, well, you'll have to come to SalemCon. They'll be there so you well, can I'll, meet them and talk to them. I'll already be there. So. There you go. See? Perfect. And uh, I think we're just about out of time for tonight. We've gone over a little bit, but we started late, so it all works out in the end. Yes. Uh, if you would like to join us again one last time, we have uh, less than 20 tickets available for this coming Saturday, November 5th, as we go inside the Bridgewater Triangle, four different locations that you can investigate. The Reverend James Keith House, built in 1662, the Old Bridgewater Historical Society Memorial Building, built in 1900, uh, the Old Cemetery, and the War Memorial Park, all of these places connected to the Keith family. So it's one of the few times I think we've ever been at four different locations, all connected to the same person yes. and the same people all in one night so we can kind of follow that narrative but also at the same time we're also inside the Bridgewater Triangle so who knows what could happen we could be out Anything there we could happen. be standing out there at War, Memorial, War Memorial Park yes and UFOs could be flying overhead and, and we could be out in the cemetery and Bigfoot could run through the woods all this weirdness that happens in the Bridgewater Triangle it's all a possibility I'm not promising anything but I'm just of course saying not, but be we aware know there's a large just chance. remember if you see a hairy guy walking around about trying, eight feet tall. Trying to get you into an RV. There's a good chance it could be Matt Moniz, but it could also be Bigfoot as well. It could be. So, uh, But again, you can get those tickets on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, if you want to get some of those few remaining tickets, I would recommend doing so now. Uh, and if you need a place to stay out that way, let me know. I'm trying to find a good hotel deal. Uh, but again, it's a small-scale event, so it's not like there's a lot of rooms that will be uh, booked up. So it's hard to get people to sign off on a deal, but I've, I've got a few phone calls in. We might be able to pull something off. Uh, but also, you know, there's plenty of, uh, you know, uh, public transportation and all that kind of stuff, right. so you can get out there. I don't know how early the tea runs going back, but. I honestly don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's in a great spot. It, you know, you're, you're in a nice historical area, but at the same time, you're right next to the highway. Um, you're not that far away. You'll be able to get on and off pretty quickly. It's not like you have to go all over the, it's not like getting to Newport. Newport was a hassle getting to Fort Adams. Yes, you didn't believe me. No, and, and, you know, Gardner, you're going straight up right to the house, but still, you're going through some rural country. Right. This, you come right off Route 24, and basically, you're right there. Which is awesome. So, uh, absolutely, get those last remaining tickets, and we hope to see you all next Saturday night, and then we'll be back after that each week with a live show as we get closer and closer to both our 11th anniversary, 
and also episode 500. They're going to be coming up at pretty much roughly the same time. And uh, we, we've got to come up with something we can do to really celebrate. Fi- I think 500 episodes is even more impressive than than 10 years. Because we could be on the air for 10 years and only come in here and do the show six or seven times a year. But 500 episodes, that means 500 times we actually got up off our asses and came in here and did it <laughs> most of the time. That's what we did. And we came in here and did a show. And out of those 500, probably only 300 of them sound exactly the same. So if you've never heard them, go back and check out all the uh, archives on iTunes, wherever podcasts are found, and, of course, rebroadcasting each and every week on the Dark Matter Radio Network. I think that does it for this week's show. Uh, until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.